I would definitely not have sex with someone who's freshly vaxxed, and I would give them certainly at least a three-month period to get over their peak period of producing spike proteins to make sure that I wouldn't incur any of that. Bam! Other women that have come in saying that after downing a load of his semen, that they felt extraordinarily sick and that they are generally speaking well-practiced in downing loads of semen and generally speaking have no issue with downing said loads. But after downing a load of freshly vaccinated semen, they had major issues. You can only ever be where you are right now. Bottles your podcast. It's the major investment in your life, right? The journey will always be your journey. Yo, what's good, my friends? It's Adam here, and welcome to the Bold Dojo Podcast. We're the home of self-cultivation, a place where we can just dive into social dynamics, where we can understand how best to interact with other human beings and learn about ourselves in relation to others. If you have any questions or personal stories that you would like to get my feedback on, you can always send them through at bolddojo.com, B-O-W-L-D-O-J-O.com, any one of the contact forms there. Or you can also reach out to me on social media, on Instagram at uitang one double oi tang one or on facebook which is just facebook the adam ui you guys can find all the links down below to that also if you're not signed up to the free weekly email newsletter the bowl sip you can do so over at bowldojo.com just a quick sip of social dynamics little cheeky article it's free every single week comes out on fridays australian time and also some other sexy updates from the rest of the universe and any other things that i think you guys need to know about that will not get censored over on social media. If you'd like to book one-on-one coaching sessions, create action plans, and overcome limiting beliefs to help you move forward in your life across any area of the temple, whether it be purpose, physical, mental, or social development, you can reach all of that through boldojo.com. Send me an email there if you're not quite sure, but you can check out the Bowl coaching memberships or just once-off sessions. And I look forward to diving deeper with you. You can also pick up the guided meditation, Eternal Energy, on boldojo.com. A nice five-track, eh, we call it an album, but it's actually more of a course. Just diving deep into who you are and evolving beyond. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, which is paypal.me forward slash Adam Ui, A-D-A-M-O-O-I. Or also directly on boldojo.com in the Boldojo podcast section. There's a direct link through the website if you want to donate through that as well. And anything that you guys donate is always most appreciated and just goes back to help supporting this show and everything that I'm doing here at The Bowl. So thank you very much. Without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Yes, sir. All right, welcome, my friends, to the dating and social wrap-up of 2021. What the fuck's happened? All right, what the fuck happened this year? It has been unprecedented, the level of social division, the way in which that we navigate our romantic space in terms of what type of partner we can even frequent that we can communicate with, the ones that we can actually get intimate with based on their medical choices, based on their political choices, their stances. It's incredible whether you're a masker, non-masker, the QR check-ins, the vaccinations, you know, all the way down to whether you're just pro-government mandates, totalitarianism, a centralization of power versus those who just want to be free and let everyone do what they should have the right to do, which is live as free autonomous beings. There are so many divisions between human beings now And how it's affected the space of romance is just incredible. Throughout this entire year, I've continued to coach clients. I've continued to work with them, not only in a space of their interrelations between masculine and feminine energy, on the one-to-one, their relationships within dating space, but also those who are in long-term committed relationships, had clients that had babies this year. Uh, This year, I had clients that started their journeys this year of social dynamics. I had clients that gave up on their journey of social dynamics this year. I've seen so much happen this year. The different women that I've come across this year, obviously being a hot-blooded male, 
Uh, there's some stories I want to throw you guys. There's some stories I want to get into today of just the, it's just, it hurts your head. It hurts your head to try and just stand back for a second and think about all the shit that has gone down. And that is what today's session is about. Today is likely going to be the final podcast of the year. And I just want to, like I said, take a step back. I want to take an account of what's happened to human beings, particularly from a more social and dating perspective, sexual perspective, sexual energy perspective, to try and get our heads wrapped around this to maybe even form a little bit of a path moving forward in 2022, maybe answer a few questions, a few very popular questions that have been coming my way, particularly about, you know, when it comes to having sex, if you're an unvaccinated person with a vaccinated person, what's the potential for risk of adverse effects due to viral shedding? So client, I was working with a client on this before. What about going on a date with a woman who, uh, you know, she's a masker, she's a QR coder, you're not, but you still like her. <laughs> All these different, very, very uh, seemingly innocuous questions that they don't seem like they have a lot of uh, weight to them, but actually they've really fundamentally changed the way that we interact. Also the procuring of new sexual experience in terms of coming into contact with new people, how... That, that in and of itself is probably one of the biggest changes is just how we meet people, whether it's through the online space, we'll cover the online space for sure, whether it's in the real world space and most of the followership, the audience of this particular podcast are used to the, or hopefully most of you are used to primarily meeting people in real life in which that you would use the social skill set, if not in warm, in terms of lukewarm interactions, introductions through friends, but going to social events but more so through the cold skill set of meeting random, cold human beings using that skill set of being a direct, congruent, authentic person, human being, to be able to go ahead and engage around a person you've never met before and bring the very best to yourself and give them the very best potential to have an incredible experience. You know, those of you that have been rendering out, cultivating that experience, that's probably changed the most. It's changed the most in some ways and it's changed not at all in many ways. So that's really the setup for today. I've just literally finished a client session coaching a client who, quite frankly, has just done a stellar job, just an absolute stellar job this year, relentless, relentless in his work, really started his journey just as the COVID mania began uh, at the at the beginning of this year. Yeah, I think really at the beginning of this year is when he really started his work and you know, he's just been grinding and we just had an incredibly, incredible session, incredible breakdown session on one of his final uh, action blocks and one of the best interactions he's ever had in his entire life, one of the best performances he's ever shown me in his entire life, in with this French girl, and this French girl, he was lighting her up, she was lighting him up, and he was just putting forward so much joy, so much happiness, so much light, and showing a competence, finally showing conscious competence in social skill set, open qualification investment clothes, and uh, albeit with a pretty unscented, pretty rushed energy because of some things that happened before that, but nonetheless showing great growth. And so, you know, after I finished that session, I feel like because I did a wrap up for him one-to-one, we really just took account of his journey uh, working with me over the last year. I thought it'd be good to do a wrap up with you guys. And so that's what is what we shall do. I hope you guys are coming to this podcast fresh, peaceful yourself, peaceful yourself. You know, with all the shit that is going down in the world at the moment, this is the time of the year in which that things do start at least for like a two-week period, just take a little relax. Like you can sense within everyone, it's like, fuck, like just 
give us a rest here. <laughs> give us a rest. And actually, it reminds me of a sign of a rally that I reported on recently here in South Australia, a sign that a woman was holding up. It was a giant brown sign, and it was, I need a man who fucks me harder than the government. <laughs> and it's just this giant sign. I'm like, this is one of the best signs I've ever seen. It's so true. And that even right there is a great, uh, it's got to be a great segue, actually. If we're in such a state of society, and she's a very attractive woman as well, I know her. I mean, like, I've, we, she goes to the rallies. I've met her before. Met her on the beach. Shout out to you, Vanessa, if you listen to this. Uh, she's an attractive girl, and she's holding up a sign. She's coming out there holding a sign that says, I need a man who fucks me harder than the government. That should tell you everything you need to know about 2021 and this whole COVID ridiculousness. That's what yes should tell you everything you need to know about the breakdown of relation between masculine and feminine beings. That should tell you everything you need to know about what's happened to masculine beings over the last year. Now, I'm not sure if I've said it to you guys on the Bulldojo podcast, but I believe I have said it in the Eternal Energy podcast, particularly on the Destroyed Relationships episode on the Eternal Energy podcast of COVID, Destroyed Relationships with COVID. I mentioned this, but I have not mentioned it on the BDP, which is this. It has been incredible to see the breakdown of masculine beings across the past year. It seems that the mass majority of compliance has come from masculine beings when it comes to accepting of totalitarian rule, accepting of excessive government overreach, accepting of the removal of human rights has seemed to have been majoritarily pushed by masculine beings. It's quite fascinating to me. And it brings up this uh, quote. It's a quote that I'm sure a lot of you know if you're in this space, which is that hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. But good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. And this is a very macro cycle that we seem to go throughout the world. And we currently find ourselves, well, we found ourselves in prior to 20 or the end of 2019, we find ourselves in pretty good times, in very good times, actually, which, of course, in the cycle of things, creates very weak men. Or as I would like to adjust for, as you guys know in this podcast, creates a lot of boys who look like men, a lot of weak boys who look like weak men. And so we find ourselves now in hard times, and that seems to be the situation that we're in. So you see a division. I've seen this amongst my own friends. I'm sure you guys have noted it as well in your close circles. You've seen people, surprises on both ends. You've seen surprises on both ends. I'm sure you've seen it, in which that you're surprised in some people that you thought to be of very strong moral fiber. You thought them to be very critical thinking. You thought them to be able to take a balanced cost-benefit, risk-benefit analysis of the situation and to evenly weigh that up stratified across the entire society but then you see those people you thought would do that and then all of a sudden they don't all of a sudden they just become the most narrow-minded blinkered unwilling to look at the other side of the story and they just accept all that i said before accept totalitarian rule accept encroachment on their human rights removal of human rights and the breaches of what it means to be a free autonomous being and it's so surprising because you're like well i thought this person who you thought to be the person who would hold the shield next to you just through, just completely didn't even attempt to. That's what's been one of the most amazing things about watching, particularly masculine beings, over the last year, is their willingness to just throw the shield down, not even to attempt to fight what is clearly breaches of human rights in face of unjustified measures. You know, it'd be different if we were talking about Ebola getting out to the entire world. If we we're talking about a virus that had a ninety-nine percent death rate, mortality rate. 
completely different conversation. What we are talking about here is something that has a survival rate of 99.97 for most people. And if you are in a much younger demographic, age demographic, you're practically almost invincible from it, saving from underlying health, health conditions and medical conditions. If you're a five to 11 year old, <laughs> all right, let's, so you hear what I'm saying? The ability, uh, sorry, the uh, willingness for masculine beings to just throw the shield down, I've seen to be and have found most perplexing, most surprising, most disappointing. At the same time, surprise on the other end. You see surprise on the other end. I've seen people that I thought were not particularly morally fibrous, didn't have particularly strong fibers in their morals, didn't have a particularly strong stance politically. I never even heard anything from them politically, never even heard anything from them in terms of standing up for anything, really. And actually, I would have believed them to be in the opposite camp, yet they surprised me completely and have gone in the complete opposite direction. And now you see that they're along the side with me. They're standing next to me. They are at the rallies. And it's just, I think that's... uh, that's that in and of itself right there is showing how polarizing the situation has been. And I think it's worth taking note of. Now, moving back to I've just now that we've kind of painted that out macro, let's move back to the social sides of things. I need a man who fucks me harder than the government. <laughs> I, I fucking love that. I love that sideboard. I love the woman that was holding it. I want to uh, tag into this. What does that mean? Because that sounds like it's funny. It's, it's hilarious. But there are multiple truths being painted in I need a man who fucks me harder than the government. So what it pains to on one level is that there are no men that are fucking her hard and that the government in and of itself is doing a better job than most men. Is There's multiple levels there. There's multiple layers there. Why? I mean, listen, I don't think... Is it an issue that this woman is finding it hard to find a man that sexually pleases her? Is that an issue of the last two years or is that an issue that had appeared well before that? I think largely COVID itself has been a catalyst, has been a fire starter for all of the underlying issues of society. You know, remember hard times, hard times don't just breed in a day. They certainly don't just breed in two years to the extent that we've seen. You know, I feel like the last two years has largely been a revelation of the hard, of the weakness that we've been through. It's like the way that I analogize this is that we have just been building up the peat. We've been building up all the fire, uh, all the um, all the kindling. We've just been getting all the branches, all the sticks, all the leaves, all the dried out shit, and we've just been amassing it. Right? We've just been amassing all these issues within society. And because remember, the the problems of masculine beings has not been something recent. That's not. There were there was a big issue with masculine energy stemming well before twenty nineteen. You know. She could have still held that sign up two years ago and said, I just need a man who fucks me hard. Like, that's it. Like, they could have just made an entire movement of just of women that just went out on the street and said, I just need a real man. Like, I just need an actual man. I need an actual man that will be direct, congruent, and authentic with me, that will actually take into account my emotional state, that will deliver a sexually aligned experience, an experience that takes into account the way that I breathe, the way that I move, the way that I feel, the way that... I can come into the moment with him, sit deeply. I cannot find a man that can sit deeply into the moment with me. You know, I'm sure this is the question on the minds of many women. It seems to be very hard to do. It seems to be extremely hard to do in a scenario, in a society in which that men are just falling by the wayside, in which that it's actually very difficult to find a painting of a man. It's very difficult to find an example of a man that stands by principles because so many of the men in this day and age have broken their principles. 
And you can talk about that societally. You can talk about that on the individual level of just, do you want this person standing next to you when the hordes arrive at your gate? When the village is burning, is this the person you rely upon? I find these analogies to be most helpful, most serving, most useful when it comes to ascertaining, is this someone that I would call a man? When I think about my male counterparts that I spend time with, I w- let me put it the other way. Let me reverse it. I wouldn't spend time with a male counterpart if he didn't meet that criteria or that I would have him on the village next to me. I wouldn't have him... I, I, if you just, I'm just looking at it now. It's not like I actively go out saying, all right, I'm looking for some badass man, guys to be my friends. I'm just thinking, I think it's just a subconscious read that if you are someone of principle yourself, then of course you look for that in others. You look for the likeness, the likeness in others that also run their lives by principles. Because if you don't have principles, what do you have? If you don't have morals, ethics, and values that you will stand by in the good of times, in the worst of times, then who are you? What are you? Who can you be for someone else? What can you do for society? You know, what can you do for yourself? What can you do for others if you don't even have principles that you can stand firm on when those who would see them burnt to the ground arrive at your front door? When those who arrive at your front door, are you willing to stand by your principles? Those who would see you turn apart, see your way of life torn apart, see that your ability to provide for your family, the ability to provide a safe, comforting space for your woman torn apart, who are you going to be? And I've just seen that so much over the last year and getting back to that sign now. I said the last year because the last year has really just been the fuckery of all years, but it was really set up in 2020. 2020 is when things like the, the testing of what principles could be broken as human beings, that was the year of the testing. But in 2021, we saw the actual breaking down. It's like those in authority will just, will shake this, will shake that, push that, nudge that, will nudge, nudge, nudge. And then if we find that there's enough nudge, enough room on that particular principle, okay, what if we nudge on the idea of forcing everyone to get a certain emergency medical procedure, but we don't actually force them to do it yet. We just nudge that idea in, what's the response? And they found that, oh, actually, some people were actually okay with that. Some people are going to, or if not that some people are okay with it, it seems that there's not enough people who are not okay with it. So nudge, nudge, nudge. And then all of a sudden in 2021, you saw across the world, it became get the fucking hammer and just swing, destroy this house, destroy this principle, this right as a human being. And, but it wasn't a guess. It wasn't a guess. It was nudged in, nudged in. Yes. So getting back, rewinding up on the principles of things. I think it's uh, very telling that if not just that woman holding up that sign, uh, female friends that I have, women that I speak to, that just always reference that idea of why is it so fucking hard to find a good man? Why is it so hard to find a good man? And whenever a woman says that to me, I always say, what do you mean? Like, what's a good man to you? And you know what always comes back at me? Honest. Honest. He just up front with me, tells me how he's feeling, tells me what he's thinking, doesn't try and fuck me around, doesn't try and lead me around into these backwater forests just trying to like, oh, I think of this, but maybe I want that. And it's this kind of non-commitment. The non-commitment to say that this is exactly what my intent is. Honesty is always the first thing, at least it's probably the most common. If not honesty, when a woman says to me, uh, or when I ask her, what's a good man? Honesty, honesty, principles can treat me well. Honesty, principles, treat me well. Those are probably the top three things that I hear from women 
that say that characterize what a good man is and that is not being found and has particularly not been found in this past year. So when you think about those three things, my friends, why are there, why are there so few males who are willing to be honest, that are willing to be really willing to treat her well, willing to treat her well. You know, that even that idea is very aloof. It's still very subjective. But I feel like in the subjectivity of it, there's something to be found, to be treated well. Think about it from your perspective. What do you think it means to treat a woman well? Take a moment. Honesty principles treats me well. Treats me well, that one in particular. Do you even know what it means to treat a woman well? Because if I'm hearing that enough from females that they aren't receiving that from males, then it speaks to a bit of a chasm within the collective consciousness of masculine bees that treating women well is being either being lost or being suppressed. Could be either. To me, personally, when I hear a woman say, I need you to treat me well, emotionally take care of me. When a woman says, I need you to treat me well, what that says to me as a man is, I need you to take care of me emotionally first. And emotionally taking care of a woman is to see her for her in that moment to understand that she's not her past, she's not what you predicted in the future, she is as she presents now, and that she needs all the utmost care of what that means. If she's angry now, she's a fireball now, whatever the reason may be, whether it's because of something stemming in the past, something predicted in the future, it doesn't really matter. What it means is I need to address that now. I need to get to understand her now. Emotionally taking care of someone is understanding them now. Emotionally understanding a woman is taking care of her now. And what that means is to literally shut up. You shut the fuck up and a woman can tell you how she feels. Most of the time when people say, I don't know what it means to treat a woman well. I don't know what it means to, uh, why is she so angry? Why are you guys always comes up with these questions? Of, I just don't get her, Adam. I just don't understand. I don't understand why she fries off the handle when I said I was going to be there at seven, but I was only there at 7.30. It was only 30 minutes late, Adam. And you're like, listen, <laughs> slow down. Did you ever stop to just think to ask her? Like, hey, listen, babe. I know I was only half an hour off. However, it seems that you're extremely upset about this. Can you please tell me why? Instead of firing back at her with cannons, with machine guns yourself and trying to overspeak, overtalk, assume that you already know what she thinks and feels. You know, this is a very core, very simple, very basic principle, but the seek to understand first, the seek to hear them first, to really take in who they are. That is a giant credential criteria for success within treating someone well. Treating someone well, just understanding them. Understanding them, taking care of them emotionally. Treating someone well, there are very few women that I know, there might have been some of you got lost on that, there are very few women that I know that the definition of treating them well and that what they think that means is that, uh, I need you to buy me a Louis Vuitton. I need you to take me to the ladies and greatest restaurant. I need you to be riding around in, a, in the brand new Mercedes, whatever it may be. I do know some women like that. I definitely know some women like that. But is that the woman you want to know? <laughs> Hey now, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing against those girls. Nothing against them. They're just in a certain place in life. Definitely not the kind of woman for me. And I said to you guys in this podcast, and listen, this podcast is going to be a real podcast in the sense of, they're all real podcasts. It's not going to be particularly, well, we'll throw instruction. You you already said, we've already done a whole bunch of tactical instructional stuff and I will filter that in. But today is going to be real, just a real chop session with you guys. I just really want to recount what's happened this past year socially, what it means for you guys socially as well. Get into a lot of client stories. I was working like a, like I said in the, in the pre-context, 
I had a lot of clients that finished their journeys. I had some clients that finished their journeys this year. I had some clients that gave up on their journeys this year. I had some clients that began their journeys this year. I saw the full array. I seen what's possible throughout lockdowns, people still going out, people still forcing growth within themselves, feel force, forcing self-evolution, forcing self-realization in the most horrendous of social environments in which that you've got these public health officials also known as raging maniacs. <laughs> in the wise words of Brett Weinstein, raging maniacs. <laughs> Shout out to you, Brett. I fucking love that. He said it in one of his recent podcasts and I lost my shit. I was like, it's so true. It's so true. The best way to describe our public health officials right now is raging maniacs. That is what should be on their placard underneath their press conferences. <laughs> CHO Nicholas Burrier, aka raging maniac. <laughs> So when you've got the CHOs, we've got these chos going out there saying, listen, socially distance, do not talk to your neighbor, dob your neighbor in if you see them doing the wrong thing. And they're just encouraging the fabric, the fabrical destruction of humanity. They are encouraging the very things that led to Nazi Germany. They're encouraging those steps. Yet you've got this, this little light in the corner. You've got this little light in the corner that's got all these little fireflies flying around him. And what those fireflies are is those of you that have gone out and pushed human connection, pushed social inclusion, pushed social connection, the ability to understand each other, the ability to not divide each other, the, the, the empathy to realize that we are in a situation that is largely unjustified, largely unjustified based on the actual risk of what the perceived threat is. And so, in light of that, I will make a calculated, weighed, measured decision to not regress on not only my own personal development, but to progress on bringing people together, getting people into a space of oneness. And I don't mean that in the woo-woo-ness. I literally mean come together, join hands, join bodies, join hearts, come together as one. That's oneness. You don't have to bring... You don't have to bring Lao Tzu into this. You don't have to bring the sourceness of sourceness and the oneness of oneness into all things into this. It would be great if you did. You don't have to, though. All you have to do is realize that when I step out onto the street, things have changed. When I step out onto the street and I walk down the mall, that people are voluntarily wearing masks outside when they're not mandated and when it is scientifically ridiculous to be wearing a mask outside for a potential threat that transmits through aerosol particles that are largely untransmitted outdoors, that just by the very nature of there being vitamin D sunlight corroding them, intercepting their ability to even take birth outside, that the, the, trans, the documented transmission of outdoor cases so low, so low, yet people voluntarily wearing masks outside because of a perceived threat, outrageous. Outrageous, but their minds have corrupted. Their minds are corrupted, their hearts are liable to corrupt as well. Is it their fault that their minds are corrupted? Listen, this is a big debate. This is a big debate. I don't want to make. I don't want to turn this into a full COVID podcast, but it is relevant to discuss that psychology, which is that I feel that a lot of people were just very susceptible off the bat to having their minds corrupted. They were already susceptible to fear. There was already, as you know, there's that equation of mass formation that's been getting around. I can't remember the name of the author, but. All you have to do is go onto YouTube or Google or DuckDuckGo, use DuckDuckGo instead, and just type in mass formation. And it'll, it largely is a, it's a pretty, it's a rudim, 
it's more than rudimentary. It's actually pretty accurate. I think it's pretty accurate as to the four steps of what you need to create a large-scale hypnosis to get people to do what you want to do, which is what we are largely seeing right now. And one of those was free-floating anxiety. And so I feel that there was a lot of free-floating anxiety prior to COVID uh, that was harnessed, that was manipulated, and that people were hijacked. People's systems were hijacked and that people are waking up. There are definitely people waking up, particularly the vaccinated, who are all of a sudden realizing that they're being mandated into getting a booster. But why should I get a booster if the first shot was not effective? And if the second, if the second shot was not effective, what makes the third shot going to be effective? What it means is that the, sh- the shots aren't effective. And so you can see people starting to get waking up to this now, and you can see start of that hypnosis starting to lift, which is great. So I don't, I don't like to place entire blame onto the people uh, who are out there wearing masks outside. And the reason why I brought that up is because people wearing masks outside are still people. They're still human beings. You still must show compassion to them. And now we start to bring in a social dynamic point, a social dynamic skill, which is to be able to treat all with that love with that peace and with that joy to be able to, if you are going in for a cold social dynamic approach, if you are like one of my clients on the East coast of the U S who was deathly afraid of meeting people with masks because they were, and they weren't, no, no, in his city, particularly they were mandated outside, but he refuses to wear a mask as do I. And so he had a lot of anxiety about going up to a masked person in a masked mandated area outdoors. And by the way, when I was talking about masks outside here in my home state, they're not mandated, mandated outside, never have been. But he's, what I'm talking about now is a client where it was actually mandated outside, which is even more outrageous. But he's standing by his principles. And see that right there. I know this is a huge tangent or this, is, this could be a huge tangent. I'll try not to make this a huge tangent. But that right there is manhood. That right there is manhood. When you know something to not be rational, to mandate wearing masks outside and you draw a line in the sand and you say, no, I will not do this. I will not comply with this. It's like, it doesn't matter what rules, like rules cannot just be rules for the sake of rules. You must critically be able to discern whether they make sense, whether they are rational, whether they are justified. And it does not take much of a genius to look into the efficacy studies, randomized control trials on masks that there are basically all 99% in favor of them not working unless you have a specific type of mask in a specific environment used very specifically. We're talking about lab-controlled N95s, 30 minutes maximum, and then recycled. You, wh- that's what we're talking about there. And even then, it's, <laughs> it's, when it's certainly not the masks being used now in the way that they're being used. They're absolute rubbish. So if you can see that, and it doesn't take a genius to work that out, then to stand by your principle saying, you're not going to force me to do this. That's manhood psychological principle right there. Putting that to the side. He, he had a lot of anxiety though because he's still a beginner in the journey of his social dynamics. And we did a huge session. We did a huge coaching session on what his fear really was. We role played out all the different scenarios of coming across varying levels of reception to him approaching someone who was masked because there are many reasons why someone would wear a mask outside. Not everyone wearing a mask outside is doing it because they are the hardcore 10% that are genuinely afraid that there is a potential pathogen in the air that will kill them, that will kill them if they come into contact with it. And so they are deathly afraid. That's not everyone. In fact, that's actually quite a minority. The vast majority of people wearing masks outside are just doing it because the others are. It's just groupthink, right? 
It's just compliance. It's compliance to not break rules, do as what I'm told, and just everyone will leave me alone. If I do what I'm told, people will leave me alone. And so most people would much more happily take the path of least resistance, wear the mask outside. They know it doesn't make sense, but through enough time and conditioning, they start to make themselves think that it does make sense. But in, in, in and of itself, that's a different problem. Let's start with the initiating problem, which is just that other people are doing it. I don't want to be ostracized. I don't want to be looked at weird. I don't want to look like I'm a, I'm a rule breaker. I don't want to be no rule breaker. I've followed rules of my life, right? So I'm going to keep following these rules right now. And I wear this mask outside, okay? No matter how ridiculous it may be. That's most people. And so if you were to approach someone like that and say, yo, excuse me, miss. I know it's fucking random, but I just saw you walking down this mall. I thought you looked absolutely beautiful. I had to come say, hey, my name's Adam. My name's Jeff. My name's Steve-O. My name's Mario. You're going to light him up. You're going to light him up. You're not going to receive a harsh, excuse me, you need to step back 1.5 meters. And actually, I'd prefer not to engage with you because you are not wearing a mask and you're breaking the rules and you're lucky that I'm not calling the police. It's very unlikely you're going to come across a geriatric such as that. You're going to come across as someone who is so highly inflamed and that wasn't even the most inflamed. You might even get someone say, hey, listen, I wish you die and get no medical treatment. You know, that's the most inflamed. <laughs> still, that's like 0.1% though. Like, to try and find someone like that. But even so, like the reason why you'd most unlikely get that, even if that person was predisposed to that type of extremism, is because you hit them with love. Style of love, style of peace, style of joy. It's very hard for someone to come out back at you with hate, with anger, with toxicity. If you start with love, peace, and joy. If you start by giving them good energy, you start by on the right foot, acknowledging them, seeing them, giving for the sake of giving, acting for the sake of acting, wrapping them in a package of good faith human connection. It's very hard for them to come back at you and try and tear that down. Not to say that someone wouldn't try to do that or couldn't do that, but from what I've seen in my own practice, what I've seen throughout my clients' practices spanning the entire world, from Germany, US, uh, UK, different states of Australia, where else? There's a few other places as well. Those are where most of my clients are from, though. Those are, it just spans a pretty large space of the world, though. Most of the functioning Western world. Eastern Europe, you know. They've had absolutely no problem. <clears throat> Excuse me. Man. I swallowed, that, I swallowed that real bad. Someone's just about to come in the door, but that's actually not what I was just talking about. I just swallowed that water down the wrong pipe. Give me a sec. All right, my friends, we're back in this game. Thank you very much for that. So as I was saying before, I almost choked myself to death and then someone came in the door, was that most people are not extreme. Most people are not extremists. Most people, if you start with that love, they want to give it back. Right? They're going to be understanding, going to be acceptable. That's what I found with almost all my clients throughout this entire... No, not even almost. With... Every single client that I had this year that practiced cold social dynamics, whether they were in lockdown, out of lockdown, masks mandated outside, masks not mandated outside, I had clients that spanned across all factors, some on, some off, some all on, some all off. I did not find a single adverse reaction to the approach. I never found someone who came back at them telling them to stop, telling them that, that this is not okay. At the most, at the maximum, I recall one or two events of someone who was just gun shy. Someone who was just, hey, listen, so I'm, I'm not quite comfortable with this just because, you know, the whole mask and COVID things. So I'll just, you know, keep my distance a little bit. But I never had, I never saw any one of my clients that 
using my particular system of course social dynamics, which is predicated on being direct with them, which means telling them your intent, being congruent, external actions, making sure that what you what you feel, what you think, that's what you say, and that when your authenticity in which that I'm making a decision that's right for me, that I feel is right for her. And my moral compass. Right, that I have this alignment between internal decision making and with my congruence, my external action making. That whatever I whatever I say is what I do. You know, if you have that alignment in your principles as a human being, going to be direct, going to be congruent, external action, going to be authentic in internal decision making. You put those three things together in the form of a cold interaction. You're going to have a fucking win. You're going to have a fucking win. And the win is not in being approved of by the other person. It just so happens that if you do do those things well, you often do get approved by the person outside of you. Not that we're ever seeking that because we're not out there trying to get validated by other people. You're out there trying to give people the very best of a human experience. Of course, developing yourself. Of course, working on your skills. Of course, on your journey of overcoming yourself if you're in that stage of the journey. But once you get past that stage of the journey, the journey very much is just about bringing the very best of your 50 to another person to give them the very best chance at bringing their 50. And in which case, you could have a scenario in which that you get a unpredictable, unplanned blossoming of such a beautiful experience between two human beings. That's what we're doing when you're out there. Right? That's what cold social dynamics is about. Cold social dynamics is a tool. It's a skill set. It's a skill set that learns, that helps you to learn what other human beings are like. It helps you to bring yourself closer to other human beings. And in doing so, when you bring yourself closer to human beings, you get to understand human beings. And as you understand human beings better, you become a better person. You become a more balanced person. You become a more empathetic person. You know, all these people that are living their lives on their devices, all these people that are forming the basis of their social interactions through Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, through the comment sections on Twitter, et cetera, all these threads, you know, they're losing such a fundamental part of what it means to be a human being, which is to look someone in the damn eyes which means to hug someone around to feel their heart pressed up against yours. To breathe in connection with them. That is such a key fundamental human skill. And when you've got people that are masked, when you've got people that are told to stay away from you, when you've got people that not only in addition to all those things, but are now spending all of their time and their one reference of human interaction is through pixels. It's through digital information being transformed into their minds and they somehow need to form uh, and infer context, infer intent, infer all the subcommunication of eye contact, body language, vocal projection, and vibe, and their intent. And of course, it's just all of these things somehow through an emoji, through an emoji, through the the pacing of texting, the the back and forward and timing of when she responded to this and I responded to that. It's it's so woefully insufficient to what human beings have evolved on to what human beings desire and need, to what we need, what you need is to form the basis of your human connection in real life, to be out there on the beach as I am every day, creating new relationships, meeting new people every day. And, you know, this is, uh, we're going to talk about environments, my friends. We are on a search today. We've got to talk about environments, the way people are meeting each other now. It's just rubbish, right? These online dating apps, they served a purpose during the hard lockdowns. You know, in the beginning of 2021, when most of the world was in harsh lockdown, and if you were unfortunate enough to live in, uh, or, or fortunate, depends on how you want to re- want to frame it, but if you were circumstantially found yourself in the state of Victoria, living in the city of Melbourne uh, throughout 2021, and you found yourself in the most lockdown city in the entire world, spanning over 245 days in lockdown, 
you know, those dating apps played a role. They played a great role, actually. I'm, I'm actually, you know, for as much as I shit on the dating apps and how much I talk badly about them, I will give them some respect in what they did during the harsh lockdowns. Because remember, this was prior to vaccines and prior to vaccine mandates. So what they did was they provided a pseudo uh, surrogate for human connection, for romantic, particularly sexual human connection. We did many a social Q&A live, I think at least three. We did at least three live podcasts. Oh, I think at the max, I was saying the maximum three. I think it was, I think we did three. That was specifically targeted at the dating apps, if not the dating apps, online dating in general throughout 2021. It might've been late 2020 as well. But there's there's quite a few there, quite in depth. And if they weren't, I know there are two that are specifically titled online dating apps or COVID online dating, but there was one episode as well that was heavily focused on it, which might not have been titled it. Anyways, we produced a lot of content and I answered a lot of questions and I could see from you guys in real time uh, how you were using it in your lives. I am for myself, as you guys know, had to re-download the apps. I never had Tinder, Bumble or Hinge on my on my phone. I was never active on them prior to COVID. I mean, like not regularly, like maybe once every couple of months or whatever, I'll just check in with it. But I never invested time in it. I certainly didn't have a membership to them. You know, it's like I I I gave them almost. It was the opposite. I gave them such little respect because of how powerful I know it is to meet people in real life, and just how woefully insufficient they are. But then when COVID wrapped around, particularly when as our as I said, our raging maniacs, also known as public health officials, came in and just hammered us with lockdowns. All of a sudden, these online dating apps stood up a little bit. They became something of a saving grace in which that they gave people a mechanism, particularly the younger demographic. Oh, no, not even just the younger demographic. Let me stop that. Let me stop that right there. Because my mom found one of the greatest guys of her life throughout the COVID lockdown period. Not that we, our state was particularly in harsh lockdown. The state that he was in, though, was. And they met online. And, they, and she's got a, she's found they've got a great connection. He's a great guy. And that was a shining example of how an online dating app, for as much as I don't like them, can bring people together. And, you know, my mom's, my mom's uh, had a few rough partners in her time. I've seen them. And uh, had some good partners as well, but had some rough partners. And, and there's a lot, she met a lot of rough people through the online dating apps as well. But she met an absolute gem. She found herself a gem. And so she, he, and my mom's like, what, close to 60 now? 58? Yeah, something like that. And so it's not even age, it's not even age dependent on younger demographic. I started off that by saying they, the online dating apps did a real thing for the younger demographic, which they did, but I, I shouldn't have restricted that to just younger demographic. What did they do for the younger demographic though? They fucked them up a lot. <laughs> I can't help myself. I can't help myself because they did. They did. But in the way that they fucked the younger demographic up, they also, in how so, in making them dependent on online dating apps to meet people. That's one thing I've seen. One thing I've seen is that, particularly over the last two years, 18 to 24-year-olds are super dependent on online dating apps for their sexual opportunity, for their ability to meet members of the opposite gender. When I was well, when I was 18 and even 24, which I'm well past now, Online dating apps, they were around, but they were just minute. They were just, you were, online dating apps when I was coming up and when they first came out, when I was like between the ages of 18 to 24, 
you were you didn't want anyone to know. Like you didn't want anyone to know that you were on an online daddy app. But nowadays, I see a lot of the girls that have got me on Instagram or they have me on Snapchat or whatever. I see them regularly posting screenshots or random conversations, obviously blurring out names and blurring out pictures, sometimes funny stuff, sometimes fucked up stuff. But they are happy for people to know that they're using online dating apps. That was never used to be the thing. That that was something that was actually looked down upon. That was something that was like, you don't really want people to know because it's like, what, you can't go out and meet a real person? Yeah, it's like, why, why are you... There was an air of desperation in a sense of like you weren't... It unsaid. It was unsaid, but there was this air that, well, you're not socially competent enough to go out and meet someone in real life, so you've got to use this online dating app. That's how they first started. But now it's actually completely reversed. And I think the lockdowns had a big part to do with that. Now, I was supposed to be still manning. I was supposed to be given the benefits and the features of these online dating apps throughout COVID, particularly 2021, but I couldn't help myself. I had to get up to how they fuck people up. So yeah, they make people dependent. However, I will give this. I'll, I'll stay true. What they did do very well is that they bridged the gap of isolation. Online dating apps definitely helped to build, to bridge that build. I'm saying it again. <laughs> bridge that build. <laughs> I said it right the first time. Online dating apps definitely helped to bridge. No, fuck. <laughs> I said it wrong again. Dang it. Online dating apps definitely helped to build the bridge. Build the bridge between isolation and bridge that gap of isolation in which that people no longer feel as isolated because they could hop onto. And all you see all these new features came out as a result of the dating apps within the lockdowns themselves. You saw all these uh, different games they would start to feature. They featured these different, like uh, Tinder had that that game where you had like 30 seconds to ask each other as many questions as possible to get to know each other as quickly as possible. And you had, to, you had the option to, you know, uh, continue or like each other or match after that. You know, they play these games. They, they feature these games, these different things going on. They they gave uh, pass- the passport thing. They amped it up and allowed people to have more access to it so you can access people to different cities. You know, they feature all these different things and it definitely helped to, you know, bridge that gap of isolation. I'm glad we said it right finally for the first fucking time. <laughs> and yeah, that's definitely a benefit. I definitely give that. I have several clients that met tremendous partners and are still in contact with those partners through, through COVID dating apps, through the dating apps during COVID. And so... And, and, you know, their relationships for like three, four, five, sometimes half a year, most of 2021, were through the phone, were through just testing, typing, WhatsApp, Zoom calling, Skype calling. You know, that's, it's, it's never what you would want. It's never something that you would encourage, but it definitely played a role. I'm not going to discredit that. Now, from my own personal perspective, I met some incredible women myself this year, 2021, using the dating apps. I told you guys, I did a COVID dating app experiment. I didn't call it the COVID dating app experiment. I just called it the dating app experiment <laughs> or the app experiment. I don't remember what I called it. I just called it the experiment, which is basically I went as for the first time in my life, I fully committed balls deep into the dating apps, which I used it as like a full-time professional. Like I'm talking about on it all day, all night. I I registered for the premium versions or whatever they were, Tinder Gold and the Boosts and whatever. I didn't do it for Bumble. I only did that for Tinder. But and so I just went, I went and fucking went as hard as you possibly could. And I did this when most of the world was also in lockdown. My state wasn't particularly. But, you know, harsh restrictions and lockdowns are other areas. And just to see what was going on as a social dynamics coach, 
you know, I've got a great excuse, don't I? <laughs> I've got a great excuse. But it's like, it's funny, it's funny because I'm like sometimes nowadays, um, I mean, my, my apps are offline, my profiles are offline now anyway. So you couldn't find me on Tinder or Bumble anymore because I just turned it offline. You can take your profile off, off the public search. And it, so it doesn't destroy your profile, just make sure you're not searchable. <clears throat> so it just removes that temptation. <laughs> to want to go and use them if you have like a bad day or whatever. Because it's like, ah, oh, well, you're offline anyway, so it's not like you, there's anything to go look for. So so I have a good excuse as a social dynamics coach who studies human being, particularly that of the sexual energy between masculine and feminine uh, polarity. That's a good excuse for me to go really hard into it. And it is. It's not even an excuse. It's like I was literally using it as research because it was able to better help me coach my clients, understand what they're going through help them to navigate those waters in unprecedented times. Absolutely. But at the same time, of course, there's also that added benefit of it aids my own personal life. I get to meet so many more women, so many different types of women, so many different types of women in different times. And there were just, there were some incredible girls that I met. There was, there was, I want to shout out to her right now. I'm not going to use her name, but there was one woman, one of the horniest women I've ever met in my entire life. Just absolute freak, absolute freak. And I don't know what you're doing now. I don't know what happened to you now. She kind of went AWOL. But we had a great time while we had our time. And she was a mom. She was a young mom. She was a young MILF. She had a couple of kids. And you know what? I have not spent a lot of time with... No, I had not... Wait. That's not true. I was about to say I had not spent a lot of... I had not spent any time with young MILFs. That's not true. It's actually the opposite. I have not spent any time with old MILFs, like legitimate old MILFs, in terms of moms that actually had kids. I've been with older women, but not older women that had kids. I have, however, been with a lot of younger girls that have kids. And this happened to be one of them. She was younger than me. And she was, uh, she was incredible. Incredible in terms of the connection that we experienced that even though it was born through online dating and it was very, very sexual right from the beginning and even through our first couple of dates, it was as, se- as sexual as it possibly could be. It was, it was all based in sexual energy. It was just a very uh, freaky type thing. But... Would I have met her in real life? Possibly not. You don't know. You don't know. You just, you don't know. You can't say. Maybe I would have. Maybe I wouldn't have. It was just the way that it happened. And so I'm definitely grateful for that. I met a lot of girls uh, this year, COVID, through social media. This is something we need to tack on to now. This is, here we go. (laughs) Here we go. So how is social media being fucked up and just, Just, you know, I always think about the uh, the chimeras in uh, Full Metal Alchemist. You know, chimera is that name for like the two parts of the beast, like a, like the legs of a horse, but the body of a seagull, you know, that type of thing. It's just the chimera is that, that mixturing of bodies. I'm not sure if that's the exact definition, but that's what it looks like anyway. The mixing of, of, of different species together. Social media became a chimera. Social media... I think it happened in tangent, in tandem, I should say, with the dating apps becoming so prominent that prior to COVID lockdowns and prior to COVID lockdowns specifically, but COVID in general, dating apps didn't always translate to other app communication. You know, a lot of the times you would set up dates, you'd meet the woman on Tinder, you'd have the connection on Tinder, you set up logistics to meet up in real life through Tinder. And then only in real life would you then, and maybe like if it was a really strong connection, you might transfer it off to your personal number. But a lot of women weren't comfortable with that. 
like back when dating apps previously. And a lot of women still aren't, by the way. Actually, I would say a lot of women are more on guard about that because of the uh, just shrimps and just the fish, the low-level masculine performance that they come across in these dating apps. So many white belts. And so, but, so it wasn't always the case that it wasn't at least expected. It wasn't general that you would meet someone on Tinder, Bumble or Hinge or whatever and that you would then transfer it. It was almost like a said, it was almost like inevitable that you would transfer it over to Instagram, you'd transfer it over to Facebook, WhatsApp. But as the as they became so prominent in lockdown life, it became almost normal. It became a said thing, an unsaid thing that this would, I remember several times, several girls that I'd met on Tinder that we had been having some chop back and forward and we arranged for a day two, um, for the, yeah, I guess it's technically the day two. We arranged for our first date and they were the ones to say to me, oh, so you got Instagram or what's your Snapchat or we're going to do this over on Facebook. And it's like they, that's when I first realized that, oh, I had to change my behavior on how I'm transitioning these interactions through online dating apps in which that most girls expect this to come off the app. Whereas previously that was not the case, at least from my memory many years ago or when I used to heavily fuck around, uh, or just, <laughs> that's the right term actually, heavily fuck around in terms of my having fun with them back when I was younger. I was like, okay, so this seems to be the thing now. This is the normal thing that you made on Tinder, but it doesn't stay on Tinder. You move it over to Instagram or Facebook. And so now this transitions me into the girls that I'm start to frequent with well, on social media and it's like a lot of the interactions now this is something i'll say right now my friends which is not a good thing not a good thing as a result of the covid situation and the having to use these dating apps which is that the graveyard the, the bloody graveyard the one danger see it's great it's great to transition off of a dating app onto your personal social media if you have a very strong connection, and if that strong connection manifests into a real-life interaction, then it's fine. Then it actually aids. Then it benefits. Then all your voice messages and you're texting back and forward and you know, you're sending of images and GIFs and fucking memes. Like It's all relevant. It makes sense because you actually have a real person to bond it with, but, but the graveyard. But what if it doesn't manifest into a real-world interaction, whether it's just because of logistics or whether it's because loss of interest, uh, other shit got in the way, you know, other things in your lives got in the way and you just didn't get to lining it up. But then she's still watching your story and you're still, you see her pop up in your Instagram feed, but here's this person that you never actually met. You never actually created a real connection with. And it's like, this doesn't, it, it's, I was going to say it doesn't feel right. It, it just doesn't make sense. It's, it's so backwards, like you know, because the way human interaction should begin is with real interaction, and so we've got it completely in reverse now. And so I became very gun shy with having girls come across to my main social media profiles, not just because I'm a public figure and I have obviously public content now, but more so because when you have a, a graveyard of girls that never came to fruition in terms of just actually meeting with each other. It's like, I know on Instagram you can mute stories and mute posts, but even just doing that feels wrong. Like it feels wrong from the perspective of human connection. It feels like, I don't want to have to do this. So, but at the same time, I don't want to see her photos and, and, and a story because we have no connection and this is not going anywhere. So what I ended up doing was I ended up just using my Snapchat as the sin bin. And that was a bloody good move. That was a very good move. 
what I would do, what I found out as a result of using these dating apps very heavily was that move over to Snapchat instead because Snapchat is very much like a texting box. While it does have, of course, the video function and you can watch each other's stories and whatnot, because of the disappearing nature of it, it's like a texting box. It's more It's more of like almost like the Twitter. <laughs> I see it's like the Twitter of dating apps because it's far more based on short-term connection that's ephemeral. Uh, it, uh, it doesn't, um, it comes and it goes. It, it comes and goes very quickly. And so, and so it doesn't matter if it does, if something doesn't come to fruition on Snapchat, because when you're going through Snapchat, like I don't know that many people that scroll, like at least maybe I'm different. I'm probably a bit different because I don't scroll social media in general. But I mean, what are you doing with your life if you're just scrolling through all of your Snap stories, like all the people that could potentially have a story? You know, you have like your top three or top five people that you like to have a just check in with, check in with every now and again. But you know, like you're wasting your life. You're bloody wasting your life if you're just going through and watching everyone everyone's story all the time. It's it just if you're doing that, like it's come on, mate. But but so I was never doing that. So the only time I would go to use Snapchat is if I was actually in communication with someone and I wouldn't be searching through to see, to look at messages and because messages disappear, you don't have that ability to just go back and look on your previous conversations. So I found that was a very good mechanism uh, to circumnavigate the weird chimera of dating dating apps to social media apps is to use Snapchat instead and uh, instead of Instagram or instead of Facebook. Because Facebook and Instagram, it's like you re- you really should be actual friends. Like you really should be, if not actual friends, uh, have had a sexually polarized connection and then worked out not not in alignment, not ready for right now, not in the right time and space, life for each other's journey. So we'll just be friends. You know, and then it's okay. So, so we're going to go all over the place with this. I like it. I like it. And I'm realizing that because we got off on so many tangents, I never quite wrapped up uh, the treating the woman well. Uh, funny man that fucks me harder than the government. We never really fully wrapped that stuff up. We just started flying off. That's how you know it's a good a good podcast where you just start flying off. So, so what else have I seen? I feel like this is what this recollection. What else have we seen here? We have not finished this environmental thing, the way in which people are meeting each other. So we that was probably the most recent main log on this little bamboo shoot that we are diving into right now. The way that people are meeting each other. If predominantly it switched to online dating apps throughout the beginning of 2021 and then through the mid of 2021, now what we're seeing at the end of 2021 where a lot of the lockdowns were released and relaxed across most of the world. I know there are different European states that went back into lockdowns, particularly for the unvaccinated. Shout out to Austria uh, and other uh, states. Just horrific. So, but for the most part, most city states released lockdowns in the last quarter of 2021. And what what happened was almost like a PTSD-like effect, a hostage, a self-imposed hostage, like the, the remnants of being a hostage of social connection were now starting to take effect. In which that when you meet people out in real life now, they're not the same human beings they were two years ago. They weren't, they're not, they're, let me say this, let me, let me paint it, it's best to paint it with a picture. I spend every single day of my life on the beach, practically. I've, there's, there's scarcely been a day in the last year and a half that I have not been to the beach, 
most of the time, I'm on the beach twice a day. I've got a really good read for the type of people that go down there, the way that people behave, the way that people act. I observe like a demon. Not, not only do I observe, like in terms of from a distance, but I observe in person. Like I get up in people's faces. I talk to people. I hug people, kiss people, have people kiss me. Shout out to all Greek men that try to kiss me on the beach. <laughs> uh, I shake hands, shake hands with a lot of people, young, old, different uh, racial, ethnic backgrounds, sexy, non-sexy. It doesn't really matter. Fat dude, fat old dude, doesn't matter. Chubby little Asian boy, doesn't matter. All right. Love me. <laughs> I was going to say love me a chubby little Asian boy. Yeah, that does not go down well, does it? <laughs> I'm uh, indiscriminate is what I'm trying to say, my friends. I do not discriminate on who I meet at the beach. I'll meet everyone and anyone, anytime. And so I've got a very good read for how human beings act. And, and, and when I contrasted that between how people act in the city, that's a whole different, that's a whole different thing. But let me just stay on the beach for a second here, which is that when you see people out on the beach wearing masks outside at the beach, Oh man, it's like this person is well and truly in the fear camp. They are well and truly, they've got their, they've pitched their tent. They have pitched their tent and they're not going anywhere. It's sad. It's very sad to see because you're at the fucking beach. You got salt water, you got salt air, you got hot sun. If it's, I mean, you've just got open air. It's just open space. Outrageous. So, but the way that people communicate, the way that people connect, the way that young people go about their business. You know, young people are always very annoying. Let's just say, <laughs> let's just say that young people are always annoying. They're loud. They're largely inconsiderate of what other people are doing. This is young people. Yeah, you know, I'm talking about teenagers. However, what I noticed a lot has changed now that the whole weather is starting to heat up here in, in South Australia and Australia, Southern Hemisphere, is that young people are isolated more than ever. You know, despite the annoyingness of young people in since the beginning of time, but also since the beginning of my inception in this universe and on this earth, yeah, they're still engageable. Like they're very engageable, typically above engageable. If particularly on the beaches here in South Australia, young people are more apt to having a random conversation with you at the beach. They are more likely the type of person, the the breed, the the group of people to just say, Hey, how's it going? or, you know, what's up today, bro? or you know, it's uh, if you're in the in the water, got a group of girls, and I'm not talking about like eight year olds. I'm talking here like eighteen year olds. You know, young teen, late teens, mid to late teens. You know, young girls will have a chat with you. They will, uh, if they're with their parents, they'll have a chat with you as well. You know, people having a chat, having a chat, is a normal social behavior out of the beach. It's not like a botanical garden or a Japanese garden or walking through some art exhibition in the museum in which that you've come here for you've it's it's not an outwardly extroverted event you know it's like there's no one's showing any skin no one's got their top off you're likely here for a particular attraction this particular exhibition or this particular garden itself that is in and of itself is the attraction the garden so you're focused on the garden itself and trying to navigate the garden because you want to be about that garden but at the beach particularly in australian culture the beach is a place of socializing the beach yes it is a place of relaxation it is a place of physical conditioning you know athletes go down there people go down there to meditate people go down there to chill but when you go to the beach on a Friday night, you're going there because it's a social time. Particularly if you're going to a part of the beach that is a social part of the beach where you know there's going to be people that are playing their music, that 
uh, just bringing their dinner down to the beach. So it's a very conducive melting pot to social interaction. And I've always, I've, you know, I've lived, I've, even though I haven't been as heavily into the beach throughout most of my life in comparison to the last two years, but even though, even then, because I used to live much east of the Adelaide, sub, Adelaide suburbs, closer to the hills, now I live a lot closer to the beach. But even so, when I was younger, as a teenager, I would still go down to the beach throughout school holidays at least three times a week. You know, I'd still get that, I've, so I can contrast it. And what I found, particularly this summer, particularly this coming out of these two years of COVID, the worst year being this year of COVID in terms of restrictions and social behavior, people are gun shy. People are very gun shy. People are even less likely to look you in the eye. People are even less likely to just shout out and say, what's going on? Hey, how are you, mate? How's it going, mate? Yep. You know, it's even less likely. And what I'm seeing here is something of a, like I said before, PTSD, a remnants of a hostage-like mentality, a hostage situation, which they, they still believe they are hostages. They still believe that they are socially restricted. It's worse amongst the youngers. It's worse by far amongst young people, which is most worrying. If, if I was telling you that, generally speaking, it's the younger demographic that are more likely to be socially engaging of just random people at the beach, at an Australian beach. Now it's the opposite. Now it's younger people are less likely. And now I'm seeing my engagements every single day, mostly from random people like, that are engaging me without me having engaged them first, are typically from my age and above, my age and above, but actually older as well. I've got so many stories. I've got so many bloody stories. I meet a new person every day. Did I mention the story in the last podcast? No, I didn't. I mentioned there's a client. Okay, I mentioned this story. We're going to this story. This is a bloody good one. So, a couple of weeks ago, uh, was it not last weekend, the weekend before, it was the first very, very hot day on a weekend. And we've, we've had some hot weather for the last, not very hot weather, we've had some, it's been warming up the last month, but it was a particularly like very hot day. The type of hot day where it's like, if you're not, if you're not at the beach, you're fucking inside, like it's hot. And so there were thousands of people spanning the stretch between the social popular beach, which is known as Henley, and the more chill family side, which is Grange. And it's like a six, if you're walking it at my pace, like a casual pace, which is actually not that casual compared to most people, but you can do the walk between 45 to 60 minutes, which is one way, uh, both ways, I should say. To go from Henley to Grange and then back is like 45 to 60 minutes. It's a good stretch of beach. Thousands, thousands of people as far as the eye can see. Now, there's two things I want to mention here. Number one, the social interactions. Number two, the conditions of people's bodies. We've got to talk about that as well. Not just because I want to fat shame people, <laughs> that too, but <laughs> I'm playing. But also because uh, that definitely plays a role. Their physiology plays a role into their psychology, absolutely. Unconfident in their bodies, unconfident in their hearts, unconfident in their minds. So, but staying with the socializing. So, when you've got thousands of people on this beach, you know, and you know, guys, know me, I'm, I'm down there every night, including in winter. I'm doing the cold plunge every winter when there's fucking zero people. There's one person, his name's Adam. <laughs> that's the only person out there so i i uh i know what the vibe i know what it's like to be for this beach to be nothing and for now there to be everything and so when there is everything i want to test it i want to see what are people about why are people here why what kind of energy do they have is this person uh what's their receptivity to social connection this is what i'm thinking this is what i'm feeling well 
it's not really what I'm thinking. Like I don't say that to myself. I don't come with a fucking checkbook going, okay, tick, social receptivity. But I'm definitely feeling for it. I'm definitely going out there just throwing out fishing lines. I'm throwing lines, okay, seeing who bites, seeing who doesn't bite. Why didn't they bite? Why do I think they didn't bite? This is the mind of a social dynamics coach. More in post, more in reflection. Like I don't think about it in the moment. But I'm definitely doing it in the moment. And what I noticed spanning this stretch, 60-minute stretch of beach and thousands and thousands of people is that, yes, the younger people were far less likely to engage me off the bat. I had to engage them first, whereas previously throughout all my history of a human being in Australia, it was the opposite. Younger people were definitely more apt to engage me first. And that of a much older demographic were the far more likely to engage me is what I saw. And there was this one couple, okay? This is one couple walking by. They look like a European couple. Couldn't confirm it until I heard their accents, but I could hear by their accents. They sounded, they could have been German. They could have been German, somewhere in Eastern Europe, I believe. And the husband was not happy. That husband was not happy. It was a husband and a wife and they're walking towards me. And listen, I'm in my swim trunks. I'm not wearing a lot. I'm in pretty good shape. And this this couple comes towards me and the husband takes one look at me and just gives me a bit of a foul look. He's like, well, when I say foul, I mean like just skeptical, like just skeptical hippo. As in like, I'm not sure about this guy. This guy going to try to fuck my wife. Like I'm pretty, <laughs> it's like that kind of look. It's like, I know what you're thinking, son. And, and I'm not happy about it. It's like, I know what you're thinking. I'm not happy about it. But then his wife, now he was closest to me. He was closest to me. He was a white male. I would say he was about 60. Uh, he's wearing a nice uh, wearing a nice hat, nice white polo. And his wife, who was next to him, uh, was actually a very attractive woman, also similar age, 60, 65. And if she was in my age demographic, I definitely would have been very sexually attracted to her. Like I can imagine, rewind her 20 years, uh, she would have been very like an absolute dime piece. She would have been very attractive. Still was attractive, right? Still would love to have a good, a good chop with her. Absolutely. But I recognize we are definitely in two different stages of life. That's okay. Anyways, they're walking towards me. And I look at the husband first and I just say to them, I say out loud, my head, how's it going, guys? And he looks at me. He barely says anything to me. He's like, because he's just like, I'm pretty sure this guy wants to fuck my wife. I'm pretty sure that's like the idea that he's he's getting there. Like, it's like, maybe I do, but I don't know yet. You can't cast those dispersions yet. And it's too early to say that, bro. It's way too early to say that. So oh, that's unfair. But then his wife, who lights up, smiles back at me, and she's like, hi. And, they, and she says it in a little um, Eastern European accent. Now, as we cross each other's paths, this is where the meat comes in. Generally speaking, that's probably where the interaction is going to end. Just because they they weren't slowing down to you know shake my hand or they didn't want to, they didn't look like they wanted to get into more chop, so I wasn't going to slow down. It was just going to be, hey, how's it going? All right, that's it. But as we pass each other, remember the husband's closest to me, the wife's on the other side. As we pass each other, the wife turns around, looks over her shoulder, slows down a couple steps, and says, "You look nice." <laughs> And I was like, it blew me away. It blew me away because not for the reason you're thinking though. She says, you look nice. She stared me down the barrel of the eyes and she says, you look nice. But it wasn't you look nice as in, oh, you look fit or I like your tattoo or, you know, I like the the, the chain or the, the seashell around your neck. It wasn't a surface level, you look nice. It was much deeper than that. It was a, you look nice, 
as a human being. Not just like you look like you would be a nice person to talk to, but you look like you are a nice, fundamentally sound human being. That was the level of depth she reached through her eye contact with the pacing, the tonality. I'm trying to do it the best that I could, but you look nice. That it was you. You really had to be there to see her the way that she said it to me, and it really, it really shook me. Like it really rocked me, because again, like I said to you guys, I engage. I cannot tell you how many people on any given night I will engage. Like some nights, it's going to be tens of people. Some nights, it might get close to a hundred people. You can amass across, because obviously you mean groups of people as well. You know, it's like there's so many people I will engage on any given night. And if this interaction rocked me, and it's like, and I've already have tens of thousands of cold interactions under my bat as a practitioner of social dynamics and cold social dynamics, particularly, that this was a highlight. This was a something I'll never forget. Was the way that this blonde-haired Eastern European woman, 60, 65, walking by, husband thought thought I was going to try and cut his lunch. Maybe I was. No, I wasn't. I mean, I would. If listen, if they invited me to a three-way, I wouldn't have said no. Although I might have been a little bit wary of him. <laughs> he, he didn't have a very good energy about it, but I feel like his energy was only dark because when I said, hey, how's it going? His wife responded so positively. You know, like she, she lit up and he didn't like the fact that she lit up at this young buck, this young buccaneer who potentially could be swashbuckling his way into a Super Bowl sex romp. <laughs> If anyone knows where that quote comes from, please drop it in the comment box. Like I mixed two there. I mixed two things there. I mixed Pirates of the Caribbean and I mixed the Seinfeld quote together. That's fucking prime. Swashbuckling into a Super Bowl sex rob. Oh man, that's that's next level. So that's why I feel like he was a little bit dirty about it. Uh, just because he felt like his wife shouldn't have been so positive about this young buck. So, but anyways, I wasn't intentionally trying to cut anyone's lunch. The truth, let's get real here, the truth of which she communicated to me through her eyes, through the tonality, through the communication of legitimate energy that I see who you are as a human being. It's like, you look nice as a human being. And, you know, I was like startled. She really took me aback. I was like, uh, normally I have a pretty quick response to these things because I'm so well practiced at it on the beach. You know, got these limited time interactions. You got two, three seconds with these people a lot of the times. A lot of them, it's just a passing thing. It's not like an actual, you're going to stay there. And a lot of the times you do stand there and have a real connection. But this was like, uh, I was like, what? I was like, oh, thank you so much. So do you, so do you. And I tried to like let her know, like, I get you. It's like, I get you. You look nice as a human being as well because you took the time to recognize that within me. And that is the essence of human connection, to really go beyond just looking at someone and to now see them, to penetrate so deeply into their eyes, to recognize their fundamental essence as a human being, to get beyond their skin color, to get beyond their tattoo, their physical conditioning, to get into who they truly are. That's what it means to be a human being. That's what it means to be a human being deeply connected into the present moment tapped in to the source of true fulfillment that could be expressed between two of us so as to realize there was only one of us. I love it. So, 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 so that's one, that's one, that's that story I wanted to give you. That story, one story I wanted to paint 
because it's so reflective of the demographic. What I would have painted there, well, who are we talking about right there? 60, 65 year olds. Throughout the rest of my walk, I found that most of the people that were willing to make eye contact, most of the people that were willing to just, uh, most of, of the people that engaged me first, now it's not a true first engagement because I opened them with my eyes. And we've talked about this in many inter- uh, many podcasts, opening with your eyes. I've written articles about this in the Bolsip weekly amount newsletter. Sign up at boldojo.com. I open with your eyes, right? Maintain rock solid eye connection. Go beyond just looking at someone. See them. See into them. To see without looking. I technically instigated the interaction in that if that's what's happening. I technically was the one to form that because that's what gave them reason to want to vocally reach out. You know, there are sometimes, there are definitely sometimes where some people will vocally open the interaction first without me having made that eye contact before. But most of the time, it's because I committed to eye contact with them and that made them feel comfortable enough to speak up first. Not that they started the interaction, but they were just the first people to speak. But actually, the eye spoke first. So anyways, now that you understand what I'm saying. Most of the people that vocalized first were definitely of the older demographic. As I made my way back towards the beach, as lightning was thundering down. And uh, it was still really hot though, but lightning was coming across the ocean. And you know, there's still a lot of young people out, still a lot of young girls out. I remember there was this absolute, just fucking super bowl this this uh this bowl this absolute bowl they're literally a bowl there's so many girls there were just in general so many girls down there that day but just by the jetty and it's like getting dark now there's dark clouds rolling in off the horizon there's lightning bolts thrown down it's still pretty warm though still a lot of people on the beach but it's getting dark and i made waited waded out into the water out into the shallows just to wash my face out just to dip myself in this water and there was this bowl just of like i would say 14 to 18 year olds the oldest being 18 youngest being 14 but it's hard to tell it's dark you know younger younger teenage girls that and i'm talking like 15 like 10 to 15 of them like just a huge group and then it's not like there's no one else in the water there's a lot of other people in the water as well but it just so happened like not that i walked in because i saw them there i just happened to be the part of the beach i was on i walked into the water just to wash myself out and and when I like bent over into the water to smash my face into it, smash my face, wash my face in the water, and as I lifted my face up and I came up and I and I you know wiped the water off my eyes to open my vision, all of the girls like they made eye contact with me, but then they all looked away. You know, it's that it's that oh shit, I was looking at him, but now he's looking at me. Shit, and it's like. <laughs> It's that typical, you know, I was going to say it's that typical teenager mindset. It's that typical high school mindset. I was like, oh, no, shit. I don't want him to know that I like him or that I was looking at him and I don't want to be looking at him when he's looking at me. So I won't look at him. You know, it's like, it's very, I was going to say it's a very high school mindset. It starts in high school. But actually what I've been finding out is that that manifests well later in life. And I'm seeing it happen fucking more and more. I'm seeing so many more girls have that mindset. It didn't used to be that way when I was in my early 20s. Girls were so much more open and socially free when I was younger. And has COVID had a big part in that? I believe so. I believe it would be impossible to argue against that. That two years of 
the foundations of human connection being rocked, of course that has had a tremendous impact on the way that human beings interrelate, particularly masculine to feminine beings and the polarization of their sexual energy. Of course, of course. And so I noticed a lot of girls play that, okay, shit, I didn't want them to see me looking at me, so I'm going to look away and not look at them. And they are not willing to maintain their gaze. They're not willing to hold gaze. They can't cement an eye contact connection for fear of, well, well, let's not open that book right now. But what I wanted to highlight with that story was that younger demographic, young girls, very attractive girls, albeit, but in a large group, they've got social defense. They've got their social inclusion. They've got their uh, protect- protection mechanism. They're, they're, in a, they're literally in a herd. Like they're literally in a herd. And I'm this one lone ranger. And so you think it would be the opposite. You think it would be the one, the lone guy who's in the water and when he makes eye contact with the girls, he would be the one who would be feeling more nervous, who would want to look away when he's got like a a set of 10 to 15 eyes looking back at him. You think that would overwhelm him and force him to uh, bust his load. But this wasn't your average uh, Jeffrey. This was not your average Jeffrey. This is someone, of course, who is not only game, but is inviting, inviting of human connection. Someone that would happily, if they maintain if they maintain their eye contact for half of a more of a second, I'll just walk straight up to them and say, what's going on, right? But the fact that when we made eye contact, they flinched. They flinched and recluded. Reflinched and recluded, which means that you could see the shock, you see the startle of that, oh shit, he saw us looking at him. And then instead of responding to that and going, oh, okay, fine. It's gigs up, gigs up. Let's just have an interaction. Let's just say hi to each other. That should be the fucking normal response. It's like, I'm not uh, upset about the fact that they got nervous about it. What I'm upset about is that when previously, in previous years, those girls would have kept looking. Those girls would have kept looking. They would have maintained their gaze. We talked about this, uh, I think, last year in social Q&A before the heavy lockdowns. We talked about a situation like this in which that there was one girl, I remember this in a social Q&A, where there was this one girl that maintained eye contact and we had a little bit of a chop back and forth with her necklace. And, and I was like, that was rare because the other nine girls flinched and they reclused. But this one girl stood up. And it's like, but back in the day, I remember years going back, you know, you, that just would not happen. Would not happen. Not nearly as frequently. And it just became, it, it was very telling to me because I just got done with this interaction with a 65-year-old woman who went out of her way to communicate the truth of all human truths. And then now I'm with these groups and she was just with her husband and her husband was not approving of this young man who is potentially going to slide in for uh, a little cherry ripe with his wife. Not that that was, not that I was saying that, but yeah, I'm sure that's what he was thinking. I'm sure. I'm sure. I don't listen, guys. I'm open. I'm open. Yeah. Leave it there. So also, 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 I throughout the rest of the night, and I'll finish this point here, I was around many younger teenagers, dem- younger de- demographic, and even though they're within very close proximity with me, they're just so reluctant to make eye contact nowadays, but it never used to be that way. Younger people used to be the opposite. They used to invite eye contact and they used to invite cold interaction. It's definitely taken a hit. You know, I've got a lot of stories from marriages that have been fucked up. 
long-term relationships, if not marriages, definitely a lot of marriages. I've got a lot of girls reach out to me on Instagram that a lot of women on Instagram that have reached out to me saying that, yeah, they first off, this is the two major scenarios I've been seeing. Number one, that's their fiancés or their partners in marriages to be. They're second-guessing it, that these guys are just not the guys. They thought they was the guy. They thought this guy was the guy prior to COVID, but COVID has revealed that he's not the guy because he's been so accepting of government overreach. He's been so willing to drop the shield, to just bend down, take the knee, to take whatever will come to him and accept it and actually uh, encourage it. And so this guy is not the guy. It's so amazing how many stories I've had from women say that that from the perspective of their potential, like from fiancés, from potential husbands, but then also more so, more so from women that are actually in marriages, women that have directly messaged me saying that, listen, I'm just here for the financial. I'm literally here for the financial. I'm literally here for the kids. I'm just keeping it together because of the kids. And that also plays with the financial that he's the major breadwinner. So I'm just going to stick it out for the next few years until the kids finish high school. I've had that story multiple times. Bro, bros and bros Fs, do not, do not, not think this is happening. Right? Don't be sitting there going like, oh, that's an isolated incident. No, no, no. no. If I am one vector, if I am one receptacle for these stories, and I have received many of them, think about all the other different people that are out there who don't even know about me that could have sent stories to me that haven't. Like, it's just incredible. And so it's been uh, quite beautiful for me to have chop back and forward with these women. They've been so forthcoming as well with details, telling me about in length about what it was that he did or said, oh, he lied about getting vaccinated. We said we weren't going to get vaccinated. He ended up doing Bahama back. Oh, he lied about that we weren't going to get the kids vaccinated. Oh, he lied about that we weren't going to be the people that wear masks inside our cars. It just goes on and fucking on. And and so now it just the bedrock of it is that well, it comes back to he lied or he wasn't truthful or if not about one specific issue, he lied about who he was. It's like, this wasn't the person I signed up to. Now, is it true that he lied about who he was or has he been changed? Was it one? It was at one point, was it at one point that he was true about who he was? But then now when the pressure was applied, revealed not. Now, pressure does wonderful things to us as human beings. Pressure does, does reveal who we are. I can't remember who said this, but fatigue makes bitches of us, of us all. Fatigue makes bitches of us all. So true. You, you think you're a warrior. You think you're a tough guy until someone puts you under the pump. You can see that, and I was talking about something physical there, but you can see it in terms of society. When society applies a pressure to you, when government applies a pressure to you, who are you? You're going to stand up. You're going to be the man that she signed up to, or you're going to bend over, break, deteriorate into a puddle of DNA that can scarcely recognize himself as a upstanding gentleman that would be there to not only provide for his woman in a materialistic, financial, physical way, but far more importantly, an emotional way, psychological, spiritual, connected way in which that, listen, no matter what happens here between you and I now, that's what matters, right? The relationship between you and I. The relationship between you and I and the government means very little in relation to the relationship between you and I. Right, the government, for the most part, should have little to no relationship in the relationship between you and I. Yet so many men have just invited this government as a third party. It's like, how many relationships and marriages that have broken as a result of that one wedge, the wedge 
of introducing a third wheel, third wheel being the government. Government had no business. Government had no business being in your relationship. Government had no business in your medical choices. The government had no business in how you decide to raise your children. The government had no business as to whether and what you do with your body. It's just, the government had no business. The government, the government is our business. I think the government forgets that. I think the government forgets that largely, that the government is only there to represent us. Yet they do a tremendous, tremendous job of making people believe that that is in fact not the case. That actually the government, that we are here for the government. That is far more the illusion that we find, particularly most of Australia has succumbed to. That no longer is the government our business, but now we are the government's business. Dark times. But fear not, because dark times create strong men. And don't get bogged down in the genders of those terms. Dark, hard times and dark times will create strong men and strong women. Seeing so many women stand up for sure. More, far more women standing up than men for sure. If that's, uh, that's just been... Uh, we, we're not going to dive into that now. This is not supposed to be an entirely COVID podcast. But we are talking about how relationships have been rocked. Have been destroyed. Social dating. Okay, we've got to talk about... I said we were going to talk about the vaccinated, unvaccinated, having sex with each other. So... I did a recent session on this with a client who, yeah, I think he would appreciate this. Let's go through the context. So he met this particular girl through online dating app back when the COVID lockdowns earlier in this year were pretty heavy. I'm not sure if they were from the same state. Maybe they were. I think they were. No, maybe he was He was living in a different state. She was living in a different state. They met through online dating app. Sorry if I'm getting that wrong, but in effect, they weren't able to meet up in person. Because, you know, even during lockdown, sometimes you can meet up with someone through an online dating app just with your one hour of the day if you happen to live within five kilometers of each other because of the ridiculous movement restrictions. How'd that work out, by the way, Dan Andrews? How'd that work out with all your restrictions? Oh, this, the state in Australia with the most cases, the most deaths, the most spread of the virus, oh, also happens to be the state with the most lockdown restrictions. Didn't work out, did it? Did not work out at all. In fact, it was the absolute inverse of what you wanted to happen. The failure of all failures. Never forget. We will never forget. I'm not even from Melbourne, but I was born there. And so I'll never forget what you did to that state. Anyways, sorry, I had to get that out. Not sorry. Had to get that out. My client met this girl. Online dating apps couldn't meet each other for several months. However, a tremendous connection was born between the two. They found themselves emotionally unraveling each other exploring themselves, their particularly past trauma, their pre-context history of dealing with traumatic experiences in their lives. I'm not sure particularly the nature of hers specifically, but I believe it was in reference to being uh, sexually abused. I believe it was in that realm. I do not know the degree of it. Him, I cannot say. He didn't specifically tell me what he told himself, told her about himself, but trauma in the past. They found themselves connecting on trauma. They found themselves uh, being on these calls and developing a relationship through the last way you'd want to, but somehow making it work. There was a brief moment in which that they could get in person with each other. So, several months ago, though, and they got in person. They were able. To, they found themselves in the same state, and she was particularly frigid, particularly frozen when it came to sexual connection. Now he is by no means a 
Raging Bull in the China Shop. He is a somewhat of a soft-shell crab by natural predisposition. Working through it, hopefully he's getting better with it. Haven't spoken about that in a while, but but more of a soft-shell crab himself. So it's not like she's acting frigid and timid sexually because he's trying to push her revs too hard. That's He's definitely not that type of guy. It's actually more, more likely to be the opposite, that throughout our time working together, it's girls that have pushed him too hard, that have pushed his revs too hard because he wasn't ready. He was more on the frozen side. So so she presented with that. She And I think a lot of those things had to do with being mistreated in the past sexually. So they had created some form of sexual connection. You know, There was some kissing. There was some uh, removal of clothes. There's some naked spooning going on. There's some... Uh, I think there was some head being going around. There was some, uh, not fingers in penetration, but some massaging around the external uh, epidermis of the genitalia. That came out pretty well. And so, and so that was the extent of their sexual connection before they had to break up and go back to their respective states. Since then, maintaining their connection on the phone. However, also since then, vaccine mandates come into play. And now, oh my, oh Lord, oh Lord. Now a division appears in which that she's very pro-vaccination, at least in the terms of her wanting to have it herself. But the idea he gave me was that she's not so extreme to want other people to get it. And she's not so extreme that she is willing to cut off relationships because of other people's decisions. She is what we would say uh, more center balanced. She is more understanding of why our man here, my guy, just call him X, my client, why he particularly has chosen to remain unvaccinated with this particular vaccination. Well, it's not even a vaccine. It is an emergency medical procedure that has not been officially approved by any health body, all still under use of provisional use or EUA, emergency use authorization. I think people forget, people really forget that, that this is still in clinical trials. It's... (laughs) It's like people say, we're looking at the research. Mate, you are the research. <laughs> Shout out to Jessica. Jessica, if you're listening to this, that was a quote. Someone who uh, subscribes to my Instagram particularly dropped on one of my re- previous rally videos in which that included a clip of someone in Adelaide who was yelling at the protesters saying, we've looked at, I've looked at the research. That's why I'm vaccinated. And she commented down below saying, you've looked at the research? Mate, you are the research. <laughs> It's so good. It's so good because it's so true. Anyone who did get the vaccine is, or did get the emergency medical procedure is the research. You guys are the study. It's still in trial phase. So anyways, he's, as a result, chosen, my client has chosen to remain unvaccinated and to not, and to be free of this emergency, this EMP, emergency medical procedure. She has been understanding of this. However, she's also been very sad, very disappointed because of what that means sexually. Ah, here we go. What do you mean sexually? They can still have sex. Nah, hang on a second. Independent of me, because I am yet to have put out a specific piece of immortalized content on the adverse effects of coming into contact with someone who's freshly vaccinated, EMP'd, and the the concept of viral shedding. I have not put out a cemented piece of content on this, like an actual video that has remained on either YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. I have only discussed it in my Instagram stories, which of course disappear, and I've run uh, questioning, not polls, but I've asked for people to give me their feedback. 
on because I personally have experienced the effects of viral shedding in which that spending time being in close proximity on two separate occasions with two different family members after them having their second shot that I got hit like an absolute hammer. I It, it felt like the night that they came home after getting their second jab, it felt like I had been smashed in the head by a hammer. I'm not talking about the type of headache where it's like it's just kind of annoying. I mean, like, it's an incapacitating headache. You've got to lie down. And my friends, I have not been sick since 2019, August. The last time I was sick was coming home on a flight from Canada. I remember it was the last time. In general, I don't get headaches. That was after a long coaching trip, sleep deprivation, working insane hours, and traveling across overseas, right? But since then, I have not been sick. I don't get headaches. I don't even get the cold. I, I do cold plunges. I do cold showers every morning. I only eat unprocessed food. I only eat things that either had parents, gave birth to something else, or came off a, a, a tree, a fruit. Right? That's it. Don't eat, don't, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. Right? My, my body is as pristine and my immune system is as rock solid as it possibly can be. Do all the cold exposure, physical training, it's all there. Stress levels maintained. It's all good. Sleep, fantastic. There's nothing wrong with me. Two separate occasions. Two family members I spend time with being in close proximity straight after their second shots, that night I came down with, an, like I'm saying, a headache of the level of being hit in the head with a hammer. Congestion around my sinuses, particularly the nose, underneath the eyes, through the cheeks, and just this overwhelming compression within my head. It only lasted the night. It only lasted, you know, just that night. I woke up the next morning. I was pretty good. Now, if that happened once, if that happened once after spending some time with someone who was freshly vaccinated, you could say, all right, maybe it was something else. Maybe, I don't know, didn't drink enough. Listen, I drink insane amounts of water. You guys always take me see me taking water breaks throughout uh, throughout this. I'm never dehydrated. I very rarely am I dehydrated. The only time I get dehydrated is during a workout itself, if I'm just going so damn hard within the workout itself. But in my general, average general life, I'm down in water all day long. I love it. I love water. It's the only, it's the only liquid I drink, for God's sake. <laughs> so if it happened just once it would be it would it would still be a telltale sign it would still be like okay that's really fucking weird because i don't get headaches ever and this is extreme this is a hammer to the head headache like concussion like it feels like what a concussion would feel like like a low level one because i've been concussed i know what a concussion feels like and this was pretty analogous not as extreme like a full-blown one not like taking a right hand well, actually, no. It was. It's pretty close. Like you, I couldn't. I was pretty useless that night. If that happened just once, it'd be very hard for me to confirm for you that I experienced an adverse effect in terms of viral shedding from someone who was fresh, freshly vaccinated. But when it happened the second time, confirmation. Absolutely, same parameters. Family member, their second shot. Spent time with them. Came into close contact. Within hours that night, same feeling. Hammer to the head incapacitated, lying on the floor, congestion, over and done within 24 hours. It is without doubt within my mind that viral shedding is a real thing, that you can experience adverse effects from being someone who is freshly taken in and freshly producing spike proteins. The literature, the reason why I have not made a cemented piece of content on this yet is because there's no literature backing up the mechanism within it. But the anecdotal evidence is overwhelming because of the hundreds of unsolicited stories that I have received from people saying the same thing. People that are 
unconnected from different parts of the world that have no connection to each other that reported the same thing, saying extreme headache, fatigue, congestion within their sinuses after being freshly vaccinated. Now, that's the low level of it. Now, we're going to talk about it sexually. Many women have come in to say that their menstrual periods have been off after having sex with a male who was freshly vaccinated. Many women have come in saying they've experienced genital blistering, genital rashes after being with a male who was freshly vaccinated, and that they had never experienced that before in their life, never experienced any of this sexually before in their life. So there are many confounding factors that could definitely be present here. But I think what is very hard to argue is, and also, by the way, a lot of these women came back saying that they got tested for STDs, had nothing. They got tested for the STI, had nothing. Other women that have come in saying that after downing a load of his semen, that they felt extraordinarily sick and that they are generally speaking well-practiced in downing loads of semen and generally speaking have no issue with downing said loads. But after downing a load of freshly vaccinated semen, they had major issues, particularly headaches as well, but also the feeling of sickness, the feeling of nausea in their stomach, wanting to throw up, which is for them, as they reported, not normal not something that they generally experience. The list goes on. The list goes on. It seems to be, oh, let me finish that point, that despite the absence of a randomized control trial, which it seems like it's going to be very difficult to get that evidence, which is why you can't just, it's, it's irrational to say that, oh, we won't, we won't put any weight into this. We won't think about this. We won't even investigate this until we get a randomized control trial because that's the only source of evidence, apparently which is just irrational. It's so rational because you're not going to get a randomized control trial of it's unethical to get vaccinated males to have sex with unvaccinated females and see what happens. It's not going to fucking happen. (laughs) It's not going to happen. So we have to rely on the body of anecdotal evidence and the body is from this particular vector is overwhelming. It is incredible. Again, I'm just one guy that if all of these unconnected sources are reporting who are unconnected to each other and they have no reason to want, they get no benefit from telling a lie or to overhyping the situation to me. There's no benefit to them from it, right? They just literally just report. And also to even account for that, a lot of the times uh, it's like a, a woman will tell me, okay, this is what happened to my friend. And then I'll say, okay, can I reach out to your friend? So it's not like the friend even reached out to me first. It's like I heard about it through her friend, then I went to her directly. So there was not even like a potential of like, oh, I just want to get featured or whatever, you know. There's not even that. So so it was happening, the conversation, what I'm trying to say, the conversation about it, the event was happening regardless of whether I knew about it or not. So it's not even just like a the bias of because Adam, if you're sending something to Adam, you're going to be pro, you're likely to be pro in the camp of thinking that there is an adverse event to a... Uh, to viral shedding or to being someone who's freshly vaccinated. So like the, a lot of these things can't, you can't argue for these. Like a lot of these things, the arguments fall apart. And what I'm seeing is that yes, there are def- there is definitely a larger principle of viral shedding, no matter how much the mainstream media wants to discount it. And the way that the mainstream media discounts it is that they say it's not possible because we're not injecting a live virus. However, the Dr. Robert Malone, who is one of the inventors, co-inventors of the mRNA mRNA technology, has said that it is possible that someone producing spike proteins could, and those spike proteins could attach to exosomes that could be expressed through either breathing or skin contact through the freshly vaccinated person. 
And within the Pfizer clinical trial studies itself, it actually does mention, I don't remember the page, but many of you have sent it to me. It does mention a section about avoiding or how it talks about stating coming into contact after pregnancy. And they mentioned about coming into contact potentially with breathing, skin contact, with the study intervention, aka the vaccine itself, and how they could be passed on or transmitted. It's very convoluted, though, the phrasing. So I wouldn't put a lot of weight into that. Like, I think I know what they're saying, but even then, even then, I haven't pulled the trigger on that. All I'm saying is, all I'm basing my idea off is, is that it's pretty, like, from, if you guys just want to hear my genuine opinion, it's that, number one, viral shedding is definitely real. I experienced it myself. Number two, through sexual contact, it is even more transmissible because you are literally body to body exchanging bodily fluids. And that is why I believe it is the females who are being more affected by it. And I'm seeing more of the stories through females. And I am not a good example for the male perspective because I haven't had sex with a freshly vaccinated woman. I've also made the decision that I don't and won't have sex with a freshly vaccinated woman because I already had an adverse event to people who were just freshly vaccinated in general without having sex with them. So, oh Lord. So there's no way, there's no way that I'm sliding myself into a girl that is freshly vaccinated, not because I don't like her, not because I wouldn't want to at a later stage, but because I want her body to have time to get used to producing her spike proteins, get over the hump of producing the highest load of spike proteins and uh, mounting her immune defense, you know, give her, like, what what do they say? They say it's going to take you at least 14 days to mount the peak immune defense with one of these new emergency medical procedures. But its lasting efficacy is roughly two to three months depending on the shot that you got. So if we're looking at guidelines here, what am I saying? What I'm saying is that I would wait at least two to three months being safe, three months to have sex with a woman who was just vaccinated. Because what these current shots are showing is that they lose the majority of their efficacy across three-month period, past the three-month period. And so you'll likely be pretty good from there. Now, is it the same in reverse? Can you? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I, I'm this big, this very big question marks about whether it would be safe for a woman to ingest the semen of a vaccinated male three months past his shot, his last shot. Because even though the vaccines are showing, I don't like calling the vaccines because they're not vaccines. Because even though the EMPs are showing that and these new technologies are showing that, they lose the majority of their efficacy after three months, hence why you have to get another shot. Even then, I believe I heard Dr. Peter McCullough, I believe, and I'm not even believe, I know I heard Dr. Peter McCullough recently state on the Dark Horse podcast, if it wasn't that, it was on his interview of JRE, of Joe Rogan, that the body can still produce spike proteins for up to 15 months after having those initial injections. So so for a woman, I think you'd actually be, have to be even more careful about ingesting the bodily fluid of another human being that has been freshly vaccinated. Because even if they're well past their, I'm not sure if you call it the gestation period or the the peak, the peak active period of their uh, immune response and their spike protein response production, you know, they still might be producing it in smaller amounts later on, 15 months later, apparently. So that's just, and remember, these are all things that I would encourage you to go look into yourself. I am by no means a doctor or a source of medical advice. I am just telling you how I'm approaching it and how I'm approaching it 
is that I've already had an adverse event to someone who was freshly vaxxed and that I would definitely not have sex with someone who's freshly vaxxed and I would give them certainly at least a three-month period to get over their peak period of producing spike proteins to make sure that I wouldn't incur any of that. Bam! Fucking night, right? That's it. That's a good summary right there. That's a good summary right there. So, and that's and that's what I said. Uh, well, I didn't go into that much depth with my client, but that's a good piece of nugget for him. And so, getting back to my client's story, she was very sad and very disappointed that he had to say to her, "Hey, listen, hey, listen, I can't have sex with you." He had to say to her directly, "Listen." I'm uncomfortable having sex with people that are, uh, I'm not sure if he said freshly vaccinated or if he just said vaccinated in general, but I'm pretty sure he said vaccinated in general. So, well, maybe, maybe not even that. Maybe he just, because I don't even think he said that. I think he said that more specifically, I'm not comfortable with having sex with people who are vaccinated at this current moment. As in, I'm not sure about it. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of question marks. And so I just want to put the brakes on this. That was more the vibe that he was giving her. And so she was very sad and very disappointed about this, but not willing to break the relationship altogether. Not willing to break the relationship altogether, which is bloody brilliant. Like that's exactly what you want. That's exactly what you want between human beings. And I gave her a lot of ups through him, which is like, like that's, that's a great girl right there in terms of her morality, her values, her ethics towards respecting other people's decisions and not realizing that this is, sorry, and realizing that this is not a judgment on her as a person. This is a personal decision for him. Yeah. You know, that's actually a really interesting point in this debate between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated in which that I feel that a lot of people that are vaccinated and the reason why they get so upset at the people that are unvaccinated is that they are more so reflecting and taking the decision of someone who is unvaccinated as a reflection on their decision. Or it's like, what are you trying to say? By you not getting vaccinated, are you saying I'm dumb? Are you saying that you know something that I don't know? Are you saying that I'm not intelligent enough to be able to read through the information that you somehow already know? You know it's, they, they can re-internalize it. They can negatively self-rationalize it back, self-re-internalize it back to make your decision, which has actually got nothing to do with anyone else. They can take that, look at that and go, oh, well, you must, because because you're unvaccinated, you must think that um, I'm an idiot, so fuck you. It's like, it's like that's how I feel like, no, it's obviously not everyone, but I'm sure there are many people who come from that mindset. I know several people who come from that mindset that it's like, you can tell it's just, they're taking it personally. They're taking other people's personal decisions personally. So where are we at? We're slowing down here. Where are we at with all this? I think we've wrapped up that point on the vaccinated, unvaccinated. Just give us some time. See how it goes. Ladies, be very cautious. Seems to be affecting women far more, uh, particularly in the adverse events profile. If you look at vigiaccess.org, which is the world register of adverse events to these particular EMPs, uh, we're currently like 2.5, 2.1 million was the last one I checked. There's been 2.1 million adverse events reflected, reported just from every country combined to these EMPs, which is astounding. And uh, it's just unprecedented. And they break down the demographics of it pretty intricately. And I remember when I last checked, it was like 69% were female. 69% of the reports were female. So females are definitely being uh, affected on a much more uh, larger scale than males. So be more careful for sure. Now, let's, uh, let's, my friends, as we're starting to, well, I'm not sure how far we're going to do this. Yeah, all right. We'll start to, we'll start to bring this to, 
I feel like we need to start to bring this to a, I was going to say to a closing wrap, but it's just because it's getting late in the day and we started this podcast late. But I'm sure there are many things we have not tapped on. Okay, here's something I know we have not tapped on. Well, I said before at the beginning of this podcast, the client, the, the journeys I've seen, the journeys that ended this year. So now we're going to just completely step back out to social dynamics in general of 2021 and coronavirus and COVID. One of the most inspirational things I've ever seen is the journeys that began this year. Yeah, man, let's do it. It's actually the reason why I wanted to do this podcast today because of the client I was working with just before who had one of the greatest interactions of his life. Had one of the greatest interactions of his life. I think I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, but I'm not sure. With this beautiful French girl, he was consciously competent with her. He's been struggling. He's been an absolute struggle town the last two action blocks. You know, he's just been battling himself, so many internal demons. And he finally stepped up. He finally showed and experienced in his words what it truly meant to actually want to be there with her. You know, he said, all this time I've been approaching less attractive girls out of a fear, self-protection mechanism, you know, to save myself, save my ego from the pain of being rejected by someone that I'm truly am attracted to. So you self-protect, you don't go after girls you're truly attracted to. And of course, you're never with the girls that you want to be with. Of course, you never actually have fun interactions. You never have interactions that draw you in, that pull you in, because you're always playing this game of not wanting to lose, as opposed to not even playing a game, throw the game away, just be there for the sake of being there. Meet the girl you want to meet. Right? Yes, we're going to work on social skills. Yes, we're going to develop ourselves. Yes, we're going to overcome ourselves. But first and foremost, let's have a good time as well. Right, let's have a good time. If you're not having a good time, even amongst all of your anxiety all of your nerves like this is one thing my friends for those that want to tap into the social dynamics of things even when i was an absolute beginner of social dynamics i was still having a good time despite the only time i wasn't having a good time when i was beginning in social dynamics was when i wasn't in the interaction itself and that in and of itself should paint an enormous truth to you all of my recollection of the hardest times, the worst times, the times where I just felt like a piece of shit as that 17 to 19-year-old walking up and down the mall for three, five hours at a time, not meeting a single human being, even though I'm supposed to be out there meeting people, and you just feel like a piece of shit. You go home and you're fucking crying inside, sometimes crying outside because it's like you're just so inadequate, so unworthy. It's like, how could, it be this, how could I be this incompetent that I couldn't even go to a single bloody person just to have a conversation with them effectively. And you realize that those were the worst times. Well, for me, I realized those were the worst times. Those were the times where I felt like shit. But not once can I remember being in an actual interaction and not wanting to be there. Not once. And like I said, guys, I'm 10 years plus into the journey now. I've met tens of thousands of people cold. Not once have I met someone that I did not want to be there with. Now, I have met some salty, salty people. Not, not just women, males as well. You know, I'll cold approach males as well. Obviously not sexual intent with them. But, but you know, I've met, I've, met, I've, met, I've met people across the board. Old, young, male, female, black, white, <sighs> Jamaican, Chinese, everything. You know what I'm saying? There's not a single type of person I have not met. Disabled, uh, mentally uh, impinged. It's just... It's everyone. And there have definitely been some people that were salty as shit. Just salty squidwards. Just people that were having a bad day. 
people that looked at you like with that foul as the foul look, people that just wanted to get the fuck out of there straight away, people that literally said fuck you to you. They literally said fuck you to me, like particularly at night. You see that more at night. But even in the day, some of the harshest responses that I've seen have been people that are just they try and question you. It's just like it's like what are you what are you just this 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 so, this weird this, no I was gonna say salty this uh, what's the word sluggy sluggy uh, sly uh, what's the word slippery it's not the word it starts with an S but you this is guy who's going around picking up girls you know those are the worst interactions or those are the, some of the worst responses you get but they say it really dirty and then you hit them back with it but. I hit him back with the love. I come straight back at him and go, listen, I literally just saw you. I thought you looked beautiful and I had to come up. I totally understand if you're not receptive, but I had to give you that light. I had to pull myself out into you. That's what it is. And I want to wish you the best life possible. I've never had an interaction that went that way where the girl left still salty, still up in arms. She was responding reflexively from her previous experiences of being treated very poorly by poor masculine beings who are poor in social skill. But they didn't realize they had come across someone who was actually there for the right reasons. Someone who was actually going to be direct, congruent, and authentic with them. Blew them away. Now, even in those interactions, the most challenging of challenging interactions, some of the most other challenging interactions I've had across this journey, the girls that were never meant to be. The girls where you're having such a fucking good interaction you guys will line each other up. So much great sexual chemistry. The sexual energy between you two is it's transferring. Full congruency between it. It's lovely. But something got in the way. Friend gets in the way. Friend won't. The friend won't let her come with you. The friend won't even allow her to exchange details with you. She's just fucking it up. She's blowing landmines. If it's not the friend, religion. Shit. The religion. <laughs> and some religious girls. If not the religion, uh, Girls that are coming from just different ethnic cultural backgrounds in which that the way they want to go about it is like, this is one thing. Listen, I can't give you my number. I can't give you my number. But if you give me yours, I will definitely message you. And it's like, you can't do that. It's not going to happen. There was this one girl, Afghani girl. I still remember to, to this day, bro. <laughs> she was beautiful absolutely beautiful not just in her physicality but also her energy as well we were like firecrackers absolute firecrackers it was a twilight night in rundle mall late night friday night me and a few lads lads are up and about i'm up and about i'm meeting people they're meeting people come across this afghani girl she's uh i remember her hair to this day she was like that light brown hair with the golden highlights it was a winter's night, I remember as well. So she rugged up in her brown jacket and her white scarf. And I met her in the mall, right in front where the mall's balls are. And I stopped her, had a great shot back and forward, moved her over. We went on for an instant date onto the bench in the middle of the mall, just where those benches are near the mall's balls. And we sat there for a good 15 minutes, just fucking around, just talking it up with each other, getting to know each other. It was beautiful. It was a done deal. Finally, when I said, all right, listen, got to get back to my mates. Let's exchange details. We will get to know each other better another time. And she goes, I just, I can't, I just do not give my number to people. And I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? Like, I'm like, I'm sure I literally said it like that. Because at that stage, we know each other pretty damn well at that point. Like, that's the beauty, the beauty of instant dates. It's just like this hyperbolic time chamber of getting to know each other. You get into fucking everything about your lives. 
And it's like we've we've exchanged really personal details about each other. I know about uh, her family. I know about her sisters. I know about all these things. She knows so much stuff about me. And then finally, she throws in this this roadblock at the end, going, "I just I just do not give my number out to people." And I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you saying? We know I'm not I'm not people. I'm not people anymore. You know more about me than some of my friends do. <laughs> it's like legitimately. And she goes, I know, I know, but it's just, it's the cultural thing. I was just always raised this way. And she, yeah, she was born in Afghanistan and she'd come over. And I'm like, this, I can't remember. I don't even remember her name at this stage. So I can't even fuck that up. I would say her name if I knew it, but I can't remember. This is years ago. And I remember just looking at her dead in the eyes. I said her name. And I'm like, listen, you can't be this silly. It's like, are you really going to walk away from what could be this incredible experience between each other? all because you're not willing to exchange numbers. It's not like I'm asking for your number. I'm just saying we need a way of communicating with each other. If it was pigeons, if you had a pigeon and I had a pigeon and there was a way of like getting the pigeons to know each other so they could send messages between each other and they could home in on each other, well, that's what we'll be doing. You know, it's, it's got nothing to do with the modality. It's not a transaction. It's just a way in which that we can communicate. And, sh- and she's like, so it's like, are we going to ever send letters, send pigeons, or we're going to send a text here? What's the go? <laughs> and she's like, I just can't, I can't give you my number. And I'm like, we we sat there for like five minutes debating this. When I say debating, it was really me just trying to get her to see the insanity of what she's saying. Because it's like, I'm not going to just give you my number and then you not give me yours and hope that you message me. As a masculine being, I'll be breaking all my principles. It's like, what am I? What are you asking me there? Not only are you asking me of an unfair exchange, it's not an exchange. It's one-sided. Not only is it one-sided, so you're setting up a imbalance within the sexual energy between us, but also you're asking me to trust in you when you're not willing to trust in me. Yes, sir. And that right there was the hammer. It's like that. I remember saying all these things to her across these five minutes. And there were many a time where I could see it go through her head. She'd register it and then she'd, and you could see her going, fuck. It's like, fuck. But she was so indoctrinated throughout her culture to not do this one thing. And, you know, some of you might be thinking, and listen, guys, this was not just like an average connection or an average girl, above average, definitely above average. Like, if I can still remember it to this bloody day, and it's been many years, you know, it was that good. And I walked away from her. And I walked away from her respectfully, compassionately, lovingly, in which that I said, listen, we can't, we can't do this. And if this is where this needs to end now, then that's okay because I'm not going to break my principles. I understand your principles. They'd make no sense to me, but I respect them anyway. It's like I understand them enough to respect that you have that. So I'm going to hug you and I peace out. And that's what happened. Never saw her again. And I'm totally fine with it. Of course, I've been fine with it since. In fact, more than fine with it, it's like I'm – I'm beyond grateful for that experience because it just taught me the principle of self-respect, of balancing sexual energy, mutually reciprocated trust. Now, I was supposed to be going into stories that happened as a result of COVID and social dynamics, but <laughs> but I was just going into, I think I largely was just talking about all the random things that can fuck up an interaction that was going very well. Um, I'm not entirely sure how that relates to why we're talking about COVID <laughs> or about the social dynamics of this year particularly. But hey, listen, I know we were on, we we're wrapping up with my client there. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. The shit that the journeys, right? The journeys. Let's get back to it. The journeys that began this year. My client that I was talking about before, uh, the one who was meeting with that French girl and finally learned what it meant to be in front of a woman that he actually wanted to be in front of. And he's finally tapped into that. It's one of the most beautiful moments for as a coach, for him as a client, as just a human being himself, to truly understand what human connection is, to just truly be there with a human being. And he began his journey in the harshest of external environments. Not as harsh as the most inter- as the internal environment he set up for himself, though. Like he's been slogging it. He's been slogging it internally. So many self-limiting beliefs. So many negative self-perceptions. He's been an absolute hard case of himself. He's been an absolute hard case of self-belief. Not a hard case of social dynamics, but a hard case of self-belief. And so that's been my work with him. And I'm I'm very uh, if he's listening to this right now, you've been you've been an incredible guy this year. You've been an incredible client this year. You've uh, been a testament to work ethic. You've been a testament to making things difficult for yourself as well. And, you know, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. Whatever your journey is, that's your journey. Because the journey will always be the journey. Your journey. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> your journey. Wait, what do I say? <laughs> I restarted. The journey will always be your journey. <laughs> there we go. Man, I dipped out on that mentally for a second there. It's because I started it off with your journey. That's not how the phrase goes goes that the journey will always be your journey. And that's what's so beautiful about these journeys is that it doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there. You know, I've had some clients, like I said before, that now that's an example of a client who's been working all year with me. He's been working all year. He's been pushing through action block after action block, challenge after challenge, going on date after dates, meeting woman after person after person, having to defeat himself day after day, right? Just getting back out there, failing a lot, succeeding a lot. He's been all over the place, but his trajectory in general, in macro, has just been on the up and up. But then I've also had clients that gave up on the journey this year. You know? COVID being a huge catalyst for it. COVID being a huge inception point for it in which that they just couldn't handle the fact that lockdowns were going to be a thing and they were going to have to go out and break rules while doing this. Like, let's make no qualms about this. It's hard enough to go and practice cold social dynamics in the best of times. In the freest of times where there are no lockdowns, masks, QR coding, etc. Or social stipulation, social, uh, not stipulation, social ideas. Not even, it starts with that. What is the fucking word? What I'm looking for is the word of a wrapping, a norm. There you go. A social convention. There you go a social convention of what should and should not be done in regards to the distance at which you stand of each other, the way that you engage with each other, that all the conventions have changed, all the norms have changed, that social distancing is a fucking term. It's a heinous term. It's a heinous term, social distancing. Showing to be reserved for the heinous that we would want to distance away from or at least put them in distance so they couldn't hurt others. Like You're not hurting anyone by going and giving them love. You're not hurting anyone by going there making them feel respected and seen as a human being. You're not hurting anyone by going up and hugging them. Like, anyways, anyways, now I know so I'm going to hear some people come back and say, I'm going to give them the virus. <laughs> All right, relax, mate, relax. Oh, stay in your home. Stay in your shell if you're that afraid of it, okay? With a survival rate of 99.997 for most people, okay, stay in your house. Anyways, moving on. 
Now, I'm not encouraging you to go up and hug people that are at the highest of risks. I'm not saying you need to go up to your grandma in an aged care facility and start hugging her. Okay, I'm not going that far. What I'm saying is live your life. <laughs> live your life. Now, moving beyond that, in the harshest of times, it is hard to learn social dynamics. Sorry, in the best of times, it's the hard to learn social dynamics. In the harshest of times, though, in the times where it's hardest to go out and do that, I saw a lot of people break. I saw a lot of clients break. I saw a lot of clients that just could not handle it. I also saw a lot of clients, just like the one I mentioned before, that rose to the challenge. You know, actually, you know what? I need to take that back. I saw far fewer clients break, but far more just general people. General people, aka people that follow this channel, people that subscribe to the email list, people that hit me up on social media, guys that are in this space. Because actually, that wasn't fair what I just said. Most of my clients have performed exceedingly well. And of course, that I mean, it's like, it might sound super biased, but it's like I've had a very, I can't even think, I can think of like a couple clients that broke because of the pressure for time periods, but not in general. They didn't just give up on their journeys in general. They gave up for periods. And then when they realized that, okay, this was never going to change, their lives were never going to change unless they did something about it. Because the government just keeps, as the raging maniacs, keep fucking around with our lives. So I had clients that broke for periods of time, you know, for a couple of weeks, maybe a month here or there, but then eventually got back on the journey. But I guess what I'm more speaking to is the people that aren't my clients, but people that I still have a relationship with or people that I've known for a long time, people that at least been following this content for a long time, that just flat out told me, it's just like, couldn't do it anymore. Couldn't do it anymore. The pressure was too much. Had many people reach out saying, Adam, how do you fucking deal with the pressure? It's like, because I often put out on my stories and whatnot of me showing my and discussing my peaceful non-compliance that I, when I go into a supermarket, I don't wear a mask. When, I, when I'm walking, you know, basically everywhere I go, I'm not checking in. I don't check in. And people are like, how do you deal with that pressure? It's like, how do you... How do you live dealing with it? How, how do you, let me say it again. It's like, how do you deal with that pressure? My perspective is that how do you live not, I should have said it the other way. How do you live not dealing with it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that would have been the proper way to say it. How do you live with the pressure? No, it's how do you, how do you even live dealing with not dealing with it. It's fucking hard to get that that worded. It's the not dealing with it is what I'm trying to point to here. <laughs> the not dealing with the pressure, aka the compliance, the just going along, following along, just checking in like a little sheep, right? Wearing your mask, a little sheep, not questioning, not thinking. That to me is unbearable. It's like, how can you live your life that way? I would much rather have everyone in the supermarket looking at me they're all wearing masks. I'm not wearing one. I love that. It's like, you can see my face. You can see my smile. You can see the expression of my love and my joy to you. I'm happy to be here not wearing my mask while you're all looking at me weird because I'm not wearing my mask. I couldn't live with myself walking through here going that, fuck, I know I shouldn't be wearing this mask, but I am. Now, in certain circumstances, I had to go to the dentist the other day. I wasn't allowed to walk through the building without wearing a mask. But, okay, so I'll acquiesce there because I physically can't go get the service unless I'm doing it. But I didn't wait in the waiting room while wearing a mask. I I took a step outside, took the mask off, and so everyone can see me. And I can clearly see, okay, this guy doesn't like wearing masks. 
and he, he will reluctantly do it to get up the stairs so he can take off the mask so that the dentist can get inside his mouth and work with blood and, and spit and all that so that he can then put on the mask to get down, back down the stairs in order to take the mask back off when he gets outside. You see the ridiculousness of it? So it's like, there are some, there was like minute situations like that. Like if I had to get on a plane, you can't get on a plane and then not wearing a mask. Okay, I'll acquiesce there. But in other situations where it's not like there's a literal being, security guard that is going to stop you unless you actually have, and exemptions are basically not even being given out anymore. Right. But in the situations where it's being socially mandated, not governmentally mandated, where it's just social pressure, where it's the supermarkets, it's the cinema, it's uh, it's just walking out into general shopping malls. Those like bars and restaurants, for example, most bars and restaurants, except for a couple really hardcore ones, aren't. There's not a security guard that's standing there, and a lot of the times the staff won't say anything to you. It's more the social pressure. So to me, I said there is no pressure. The pressure's on you guys. The pressure's on you guys to keep upholding this insane behavior. I feel bad for you guys. Like that must be intensely draining. It must be intensely spirit draining to be doing something you know makes no sense. For those of you that know that it makes no sense. Of course, there are some that think that it makes sense, but most people know that at this stage in time, like I said before at the beginning of this podcast, unless you're wearing a specific type of mask in a specific environment, in a specific way, do it using a certain method with it, they're generally speaking absolutely useless at preventing disease. So, and you just need the evidence of the last two years to give you reason for that. So that's fucking draining. Like that's more draining to me. It's way more draining. Now, now let's let's bring a real summary on this. I want a path moving forward. I want a path moving forward. Where on earth are we going? What's what's going to happen here, guys? Where is society going? Where's relationships going? Where's dating going? Where's uh? Okay, I need. There's here's a great segue for this particular point. Where I think things going. Where I think things are going is that you're going to see a transitional period of the awakening in which that as more and more of these rules make less and less sense, more people wake up. It's a long period though. It's a long time. It's a slow drip. It's a slow cook. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It happens one person by one person across many, many, many many days and many, many events. But as that starts to happen, one thing we can do in that transitional period is just flock to those of a similar kind of the same feather. If you can spend as many time and seek out the people that are of the same nature, the people that are of a more awakened state that are able to see through the bullshit of what is our public health response to this particular, not particularly life-threatening pathogen getting around the place, getting around the globe. If you can find people that are in that similar space, just spend more time around them. It's like, actually, I've met more people being more connected than ever before this year. My social relationships have blossomed and bloomed as a result of this year particularly because it just made it easier to find the people you're most connected with because it's so polarizing and so obvious now. It just became really easy because I'm looking for it. I'm out there. I'm looking for it in my conversations with people. You know, it's very simple things. Very simple things such as, yeah, it's so good to be out here just breathing free. So good to be out here breathing free. That one line gives you... you get, it's a signal. It's a signal to people going, oh, oh, this guy, this guy. 
I'll give you some other good ones. But that one right there is a very good one. It's just good to be out here breathing. Like when people say, hey man, how's it going? If it's like a random stranger, hey man, how's it going? You're like, yeah man, it's just good to be out here breathing free. Good to be out here just being a real human being, being a normal human being. You say that, it's a really good feeler out, a really good tester because anyone who hears that will register and go, ah, this guy's on the same kind, on the same wavelength as me. And it's like, yeah, no joke, man, no joke. Like look at all these people wearing masks, right? And it's like, exactly. And now all of a sudden you've got a real deep connection right there. Like you can go really deep with that person really quick because you found out through a real easy feeler, oh, this guy likes to breathe free as well. Another one, if you hear people who, a, a way of telling someone that you're aligned with them, say that they say something like, something about COVID, say something about the restrictions or the mandates. Maybe they don't state their position, but they just say something about it that gives you the inkling that they're not all on board of it. You know, there was this one guy who said something to me. I bumped into him and a girl on the beach. And we had just been talking about what gyms we go to. He's a random guy. And he said he goes to this gym. And I said, oh, I go to this gym. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, the owner of that gym, uh, she's always posting stuff about COVID. And, uh, and, and he pointed to her friend and, and he goes, she hates it. And I said to him, hey, listen, someone's got to speak up. And he's like, (gasps) he's like, yeah, that's right. That's right. He's like, someone's got to speak up. And all of a sudden it was just like this bat signal. I'm like, oh, this guy gets me. This guy's in the same wavelength. You know, just something as similar, as simple as that. Oh, someone's got to speak up. You know, oh, I like to breathe through. There are things like this that can indicate, help you to indicate your position and your status without, you know, exactly showing an entire deck. You know, it's a very simple card. It's one card but it's a very telling card. That really is your, it's your, ace, it's your ace of diamonds type thing. So, so, so flocking to feathers of a kind, flocking to groups that are similar spaces to you. And what you'll find is that, and what I've found is that the places that you're going to find these type of people are the places where healthy people go. Most of the people that I'm meeting that are aligned in this space are people that do yoga, people that go to the beach, people that swim, people that are physically very active. Because most of the people that don't buy into the fear-mongering that has been pushed out through our raging maniacs known as public health officials are the people who are actually concerned about their health. The people that are actually out there maintaining their health, most of them are mostly aligned with not believing and buying into the bullshit and the fear-mongering. I've seen that has been one of the most... Uh, if you can make a general rule or a broad rule, people that are fit and healthy that actually spend time, money, effort, commitment to maintaining their health, they are the ones that are the most protective of it and are unwilling to have some un- some unconnected, disconnected, bureaucratic body making decisions for them about their health. It's like, hey man, you don't fucking know anything about my health. I know my health. I'll protect myself. Thank you very much. You find that those are the majority of the people that are going to be more connect. You're going to find a deeper connection with very quickly. I found that very, and you see that at uh, these protests as well. When you go to the rallies, great place to meet people as well. Now they're not all fitness guys. They're not all fitness people at the rallies. A lot of them are just mums and dads. You find connections with them as well. So, anyways, anyways, moving beyond that, where else do I see things going here? So that's getting back to that. Getting back to the larger point, where I see things going is that in the transitional period of people waking up to the bullshit. You need to find the flocks of the same feather so that you can feel like you are being received, that you are in a space that is conducive to how you emotionally want to express. Hold that. Sexually speaking, you're going to need to adorn 
the new skill set of handling the conversation of vaccinated versus unvaccinated, EMP'd versus unEMP'd. You need to be adept at it. You need to get practiced at it, as I discussed earlier in the podcast, as how to say to a woman that, hey, listen, when she's vaccinated and you're not, listen, this is uh, you need to have the conversation. You need to learn to have the conversation of handling that and going, listen, I acknowledge you, I see you, first part of our conversation. I love the time that we spent together. You know, I love the energy that you have, that calmness about you. It's beautiful. However, I need to communicate to you something that's been really burning on me, which is this difference we seem to have between these new medical emergency procedures. Now, I totally respect your position on it, and I'd never want you to feel uh, like I was judging you for it, guilty about it, shame about nothing about that at all. Personally, I made a decision that I don't want to take this emergency medical procedure and that I'm not willing to have sex with someone who has just because I've had adverse effects and I know that the viral shedding is a real uh, potential and a concept that could happen. So just as a personal decision for me, I've just decided not to have uh, sexual interactions with people who are in that position. And I hope you can understand that, that it has absolutely nothing to do with who you are as a person. I apply this to everyone, that I'll still love to connect with you. I'll still love to keep exploring with you. I'll still love to keep this adventure going. But at the same time, I totally understand if because of my position, you find in that out now, if that makes you feel weird or if you're not uh, ready to accept that, hey, there's absolutely no bad blood. There's no broken strings between us. I totally understand. So please let me know how you feel about that. I'm going to shut up. Talk to me. That's how that conversation should go. Acknowledge her. State your intent. Give the empathy points. That's got nothing to do with her. And then shut up and let her sound back. You need to get adept at that particular skill. You need to get adept at handling these conversations because they're only going to become more prevalent, especially as more evidence comes out as to how ineffective and how potentially the risk for getting these EMPs just keeps getting revealed more and more and more. And so it's going to be a more and more prevalent thing in your life. Get good at it. Get good at it. And I think the final thing I'll say is this, is that all of you are listening to this You're listening to this because you're practitioners of human connection. Social dynamics, what that really means is that you're a practitioner of human connection. You're actually largely pushing forward the evolution of humanity coming together, of humans trying to understand each other better. Now, some of you may not realize that. Some of you may not have realized that in your journey yet. But at some point, if you practice going out cold social dynamics and learning to bring the best of yourself to another human being, not to get validated, not to get externally uh, crest and christened for your amazing performance and to be just bowed down to because of how amazing you are. Not because of that, but because you inherently feel love, peace, and joy and you want to give that to other people and that in the space of sexual polarization, you wish to do that best as a man communicating with a woman, recognizing that you are a man, she's a woman, let's see if we connect. And to maintain your principles of direct and authenticity, authenticity throughout all stages of the interaction to ensure that she is wrapped in empathy, to ensure that she is guided and that she is provided vessels and the vessel of which that she could outlay all of herself, not feel judged, not feel misused, abused. You could provide that space for her as a masculine being. That right there is not just social dynamics and the practice of skill. It is the practice of human connection. It is the practice of becoming someone who 
guides human beings. And by being an emotional leader, by being a leader of human beings and the connection of, if you are in that space, you are in that practice, then you all need to go forward, moving, moving forward, and apply all those principles to everyone, not just the girl that you went out on a date with last Friday. You need to apply that to the random guy in the supermarket. You need to apply that to the old people on the beach. You need to apply that to the bus driver as you step on. You need to apply that to the person losing their shit in the supermarket because you're not wearing a mask. You need to apply all these principles of human connection and the drive to see us come together. You need to you need to you need to drown people. You need to drown people in your desire to bring them together. That is what ultimately social dynamics does is bringing people together seeing each other for who you are seeing each other beyond your political stance your medical stance your governmental stance and just i'm a human being you're a human being let's connect and with that my friends we wrap up a review we wrap up a sesh on what has been a hectic hectic year and I also foresee that 2022 will, I think 2022, it's, it's hard to make predictions for the entire year based on how this entire year changed so wildly. You never know what they're going to do. You never know. But what I do predict is that we are somewhat in the hump of the bad times. I feel like, as I said before, the awakening has begun. I feel like people, particularly as those who thought their commitment to just getting two doses was going to be there one and done. Like, well, <laughs> they're two and done. But it was going to be done. But now the invitation of boosters and more and more, I think just the hump, we're starting to just come over that. You know, the idea of locking down, it's starting to fall away. There, I'm not quite there yet to say we're at the point of reparations, like the rebuilding stage. I don't think we're quite there yet. I think we're still in bad times. But it's not the beginning of bad times. We're maybe 60 to 70% of the way through bad times and maybe there's still a bit more to go. That's how I feel at this stage anyway. Could change, definitely liable to change. But uh, we're moving forward and I feel like 2022 is just going to be another bang on year. It's going to be another on point year and you should believe in that as well because that's within your power. What is not within your power is what the raging maniacs up in the public health office are going to do with the different health mandates and the different chief health officer directions. What is within your power is how you respond to them. What is within your power is how you treat people. What is within your power is how you develop yourself, evolve yourself, grow beyond yourself in order to bring the best of yourself to others. That is within your power always. So no matter what happens outside of you, no matter what happens within society, you cannot control. What you can control is the society within yourself. So please always stay focused on that, my friends, as you take your break and as you come into the next year, I'll be here with you. I thank you so much for being here with me. If you have any feedback, drop it down below in the YouTube comment box. Most appreciated. Share it. Share it around. And I will catch you guys in the new year. Absolutely. Wishing you tremendous love. Big joy. Eternal peace. Jack. Thank you very much for diving into today's session. It was great to have you here. And I'd love your feedback. If you want to send me a message on either social media, on Instagram, or on Facebook, or through the website, all the links are down below. That'd be greatly appreciated. 
And if you would like to help to support the podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link or through boldojo.com. Again, all the links down below. Also, if you're not signed up to the free weekly email newsletter, The Bold Sip, you can do so over at boldojo.com. Just a quick sip of Social Dynamics, little cheeky article. It's free every single week. Comes out on Fridays, Australian time, and also some other sexy updates from the rest of the universe and any other things that I think you guys need to know about that will not get censored over on social media. If you'd like to book one-on-one coaching sessions, create action plans, and overcome limiting beliefs to help you move forward in your life across any area of the temple, whether it be purpose, physical, mental, or social development, you can reach all of that through boldojo.com. Send me an email there if you're not quite sure, but you can check out the Bowl coaching memberships or just once-off sessions. And I look forward to diving deeper with you. You can also pick up the guided meditation, Eternal Energy, on boldojo.com nice five track yeah, we call it an album but it's actually more of a course just diving deep into who you are and evolving beyond if you'd like to help support this podcast you can donate anything that you wish through the paypal link which is paypal.me forward slash adam ui a-d-a-m-o-o-i or also directly on boldojo.com in the boldojo podcast section there's a direct link through the website if you want to donate through that as well and anything that you guys donate is always most appreciated and just goes back to help supporting this show and everything that I'm doing here at The Bowl. So thank you very much. And finally, I wish you all the strength and power as you move forward in this life, not only learning how to interact better with other people, but learning how to interact better with yourself. Much peace and much joy.